Hi, I'm Ryan Murphy, Olympic gold medalist. You're watching Action Sports Jacks. Really, the thought of it all got started when I, going back to my bandy days. I studied sociology, and just ever since then, I've kind of grown a passion for, you know, poverty areas, uh, people going through poverty, low-income areas. And um, so actually last year, I did an event back in my hometown, Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I fed um, a couple hundred people at a soup kitchen. You know, since then, I've kind of made it a statement in my mind to try to do something like that every year where I can try to help out, you know, a community that is going through those kind of things. And That's Trey Herndon on a call with the local media earlier today as we do everything via Zoom. (laughs) So we appreciate the Jags making Trey Herndon available. Interesting note on Trey Herndon, the Jaguars cornerback, who really had a nice season last year uh, filling in, especially when Jalen Ramsey went out. I don't think there was much expectation for him. And he might have been their best corner. A lot of people still don't think A.J. Boye played well. I, I beg to differ that he played as poorly as everybody says he did, but... Uh, that's a different story and one that really doesn't matter anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. Because um, he's not here. Interesting, though, A.J. Boye and uh, Herndon are working out together. Nice. Or, you know, in the same vicinity because he's up in Georgia and so is A.J. And so a lot of that tutelage continues because I asked him on the call. I said, you know, you grew up around these guys. He, was, he spoke very highly of Jalen Ramsey, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was his locker mate, which maybe someday down the road, maybe I'll do a story with Herndon. Because Herndon, kind of this quiet guy. Silent assassin. And he got to listen to everything that Jalen Ramsey and the media no, <laughs> had to sure. dish yeah, yeah. <laughs> over the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Uh, which must have been pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, what a wild experience, kind of just listening in and watching, uh, if you will, as that guy right next to the locker. I think about that a lot, you know, when you have some of those personalities or guys that you go to in the locker room. And what about the guy right next to that guy? It's yeah. almost like they need two lockers, some of them, the Calais Campbells of the world, Leonard. Yeah. When you gather around, you're taking up somebody else's space. Uh, and most of the guys are pretty cool about it. But yeah. uh, uh, it can be tight headquarters in there. It's funny. When you talk about, you know, the, the secondary position, more specifically the, you know, the cornerback spot, it's either two sides, you know, it's two drastic differences. Either you're the Jalen Ramsey type and you talk and you're on an island and it's all eyes on me and then you embrace the trash talk, or it's like a Rasheen Mathis where you're a hell of a football player, but you you kind of let your play do the talking a little more. Obviously, um, Trey Herndon falls in the ladder. You know, like I compare like uh, I put Charles Tillman, you know, peanut. Like uh, Charles Tillman, you know, one of the best guys to do in the secondary didn't really say that much on the field. You know, he, he he let us play, do the talking. But it's just, it's such an interesting position where you're always showcased. You're always put on the island, and as soon as you make a mistake, people are going to know about it. And either the guys want to talk a lot or they keep it low-key. Yeah, and he is a low-key guy. Low key. Uh, and, and, and so, so is AJ Wilson. And I think AJ Boy, Boy too. was the same. Yep, yeah. uh, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, it doesn't. You just describe two different kind of players, and you can be successful doing either one. Sure. And I think like a lot of folks, uh, like Jalen needed to do that to get him going, and, and I can appreciate that too. Richard Sherman, you, know, you could say Sherman's you got to do that a little yeah, bit. You got to get, you got to feel some of that juice. Yeah. You know. Same time, Daryl Rivas didn't really do that that much. No. You know, he's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. So it's a good point. And yeah. so I, 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 I respect that. However, whatever gets you ready and right, right into the frame of the mind, right? Uh, that's that's uh, important to do. Uh, but Trey, so how good is Trey Herndon, man? I mean, do we know? Uh, are the Jags just really taking a bit of a flyer here on a guy that still is unproven, but had 
I would say, a pretty decent 14 games. you got to remember about the Jags last year. Not too many teams attacked them over the uh, passing game. They were attacked in the run game. Uh, they trailed in a lot of games. So the Heat wasn't on the passing defense of the Jags a ton. I never felt that. Now, you could give me a time or two, but I just didn't feel like that, uh, mostly because some of those bad, bad run games uh, that they gave up. Is he any good? You think he's good? Listen, I think when we talk about a guy who made a lot of progress from his rookie year to his second year, I mean, that that was, you know, that was playing his day. You could see that. The real question now is, I mean, how is he going to respond essentially in a leadership role? Okay, because right now in free agency, Brent, they don't really have anybody else. I mean, yeah, they, they brought in the cat from uh, Detroit and everything like that. We'll see what he does. But overall, Trey Hernan's been there the longest and Jackson the second, you know, from a cornerback position. So he's essentially the leader right now. So he goes from last year from stepping up to being from a rookie and learning, you know, and kind of taking all that starting gig for Jalen Ramsey to now essentially the way it stands right now, being the guy. Now we'll see what happens in the draft, and maybe the Jaguars address that early. But I'm just saying right now it's another upgrade for Jaron because not only does he have to perform as a one, you know, corner and take the best wide receiver out of the game, but he also has to be a leader right now. And just because he's not vocal doesn't mean he can't be a great leader. I, I play with plenty of guys who weren't vocal. But my my worry is, is it going to be too much for his plate? You know, I mean, is it going to be too much too soon for him, especially a guy who, you know, he's gradually getting better, gradually getting better, but obviously the Jaguars expect him to take a giant leap into this season. Yeah, no doubt. They're going to need him. And that's the thing, man. What do they need him to do? Do they need him to take this big leap? Do they need him to be a superstar? Or can he just be a solid corner, do the job, and make a play here or there, but don't give up the big play? You know, they have refocused their defense a little bit to stop the run. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doug Marone was adamant about that when he met with us a couple weeks ago. And I think some of their moves dictate that. And I think we'll see more of that in the draft. If If you add the tea leaves up, I think it means big man up front. Based on what they are trying to do, they want to stop the run. They got Joe Schobert in at middle linebacker. They feel like they upgrade the run game because of Schobert and what he's able to do. Then they add some pieces that at least plug some holes for Calais Campbell, Marcel Darius. But I think they're going to even try to beef that up a little bit more. They are going to put more emphasis on how they can stop the run, create third and longs, because everybody's successful on third and long, whether you're a great defense or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> third and long's tough for, for an offense. Uh, I, I would, so do they need to be great? Do they need to be dynamic in the back end, I guess? They absolutely need to, okay? Because if we were to break down 32 NFL teams right now, and we break them down to see are they a pass first team or are they a run first team? You think there's more pass-first teams in the NFL, Brennan, or more run-first teams? Yeah, it's pass-first. Exactly. Yeah. So, say no more. You know, I mean, I get it. You play in the AFC South division where one could argue the Colts are a run-first team. Obviously, the Titans are a run-first team. We'll see now with David Johnson Houston. They could be a run-first team. So, that's great that you're attacking your division and planning on stopping the run. But at the same time, on the grander scheme of things, this will, this will always be a pass-first league right now. And you got to keep that in mind when you're building your secondary. Yeah, here's the thing what's interesting, okay, is how they build it, too. You can go Jalen Ramsey, bona fide guy, right? Top five pick. You knew he was a stud. He was a five-star guy, Florida State. Uh, He was good. He was always good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he always will be good, probably. A.J. Boye, totally different route. Undrafted out of UCF, uh, kind of didn't do much, and then all of a sudden emerged uh, with the Houston Texans right in time to kind of be a free agent, and bam. Mm -hmm. And then... Again, good few years with the Jags. It was a good signing. I mean, heck, he had all pro years. So uh, 
or was that an all pro year or a pro bowl year? It was definitely a pro bowl year. I, I don't know if he made all pro that year or not. Now it's social mind. Either he should have or he did. Maybe he was second team all pro, I think, uh, I, I want to say. Uh, because some people will argue, by the way, in 17, and then numbers could back it up depending on how much you rely on pro football focus and others, mm-hmm. that Boye actually had the better year statistically mm-hmm. than Jalen. Now, what I would always say to that, with all due respect to A.J. Boye, is Ramsey was getting the best guy every time, man. I mean, he and, – and a lot of times they wouldn't want to go his way because of what he was doing. He was that respected, so that's part of it too. But they – They invested a lot of dollars in free agency in the top five pick to get that tandem, which at the time was the best in the NFL, or at least arguably the best in the NFL. Well, there's other ways to do it. Go back to Seattle in 2013 when everybody was talking about the Legion of Boom, and they had others, right? They had Earl Thomas, and they had Cam Chancellor. They were good all around. Their defense was fantastic. But at the corner spot, they had a guy named Richard Sherman Mm -hmm. out of Stanford who was a fifth-round pick. Yeah. They had a guy named Brendan Browner who came from the CFL, and they were able to make it happen. I guess that's what got me thinking a little bit today. Could Trey Herndon be the Jaguars' Brandon Browner? Sure. An undrafted guy that they found and hit on. And we look back and be like, wow, what a heck of a signing that What What a heck of a, a, a signing as an undrafted free agent. They mm-hmm. groomed him, uh, and bam, he took off. I mean, that's the kind of luck you need in the NFL to be good. That's the kind of luck good teams get. I'm not saying if if Trey Herndon is good and they hit on him, Jags are going to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying you need moves like that to hit yeah. once in a while. Those are what I would consider lucky. If you thought he was going to be that good, then you would have drafted him in the third round at the very least. Mm-hmm. But Seattle got lucky. They got Richard Sherman and Brandon Browner, fifth-round pick and a CFL guy. That's what the Jaguars need to do. Could he be one of those guys? I guess that's my curiosity here today a little bit after we were talking to him. He, he very well could be. You know, like you said, Sherman went in the, went in the third round. Um, wait, did he go third or fifth? He went fifth round. Sherman went Sherman. fifth. Fifth yeah. round. Uh, James Bradbury, now with the Giants, signed a big contract, went in the second round. Josh Norman, who at the time was one of the best corners in the league for a little bit, went in the fifth round as well. So, I mean, you know, these circumstances have, have always happened. Can Trey Herndon be that guy? I think he can be that guy if you surround him with the right guys around him, okay? Because I say that because Richard Sherman, yes, Richard Sherman, um, the big thing about Richard Sherman, why he fell so much was the fact that nobody considered him a cover guy. Like he, he, he wasn't a man-to-man guy. He was good at zone coverage, but as far as man-to-man, he was lacking. And people didn't think that he had the speed to keep up with, you know, that press coverage. Well, the Seattle Seahawks and Pete Carroll said, well, you know what? We don't necessarily need him to be the best man-on-man guy right from the get-go. All we need Richard Sherman to do is fit our system. What is Richard Sherman? Richard Sherman has long arms. Um, you know, he, he has kind of like this, I don't say cockiness, but he has like this confidence about him. He has this attitude about him. Exactly what the Seattle Seahawks were looking for. So, yeah, Sherman may not have been the, the top corner on everybody's board, but he was a top corner, I guarantee, for Pete Carroll and how they do things in Seattle, and that's why they picked him. So you have to ask yourself, what does Trey Hernan bring to the table for your team, and can he help out? I think he, he can do drastic things, Brent. I think Trey Hernan can, can be the guy. The problem is, though, is you don't have the Cam Chancellors in the backfield, okay? You don't have the guys around him in the secondary. Not to say that they can't get there because they're pretty young themselves, you know, obviously with uh, Ronnie Harrison and everything. But I just think when you have these star corners taken late in the draft, it's because you surround them with greatness. Yeah, it's it's a really good explanation. I, I guess uh, just piqued my curiosity today. I understand they're not as good as they have been. I understand there's gaping holes back there. I just wonder, with a guy like Herndon, if he can hit on that, 
And then you go draft one, maybe in the second round, and you get that guy who you think is going to be pretty good. To go along with DJ Hayden, Ronnie Harrison, some people believe, could be really good. I think others are a little sketchy on it right now. And Jared Wilson, you could certainly upgrade. But he did play every snap last year. He was reliable in that sense. Yeah. Uh, when you redo things, you have to replenish, and you have to hit on it. You have to be right. That's why I continue to say the Jags can flip this pretty quick. There's a huge if here, and I understand the hesitation with the if. I don't know what the percentage is. I'm kind of putting it at 70%. you got to hit on 70% of, of your moves. You're going to miss. It's going to happen. But can you hit on 7 out of 10 of them? Well, then you might fix it quick, and you might be able to replenish, reload, and do all those kind of things. When we come back, we begin a little discussion of local golf with a guy who's a big sports fan, so we'll talk more than golf. Billy Horschel, he joins us next on ESPN 690. With this virus going on right now, um, you know, trying, knowing that I am a part of another community now, uh, Northeast Florida, I feel helping them in any kind of way, those who may have not be as fortunate to use money for meals, having to use it, you know, for hand sanitizer and all different kinds of supplies, toilet paper. Uh, you know, I felt it was a great opportunity for me to help out another community that I'm a part of. So that's kind of where everything came from with that. That's Jaguars quarterback Trey Herndon talking to us today about helping out feeding Northeast Florida and buying meals uh, for folks here in Northeast Florida, Jacksonville area, uh, who are less fortunate at this time. And so many efforts uh, happening around the country. And a lot of it happened and started right here in Jacksonville when you think about feeding the hunger uh because of the Players' Championship mm-hmm. and because of our next guest, uh, Billy Horschel, was a big part of that. He has always been an ambassador for Feeding Northeast Florida, has done so many great things uh, with them. So we'll ask him about it in just a moment. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, here on a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We've been having these celebrations of local sports days. Last week it was Jacksville Leisman and UNF Day. Uh, we'll have all the local teams uh, represented here over the next couple of weeks and months. Today, given Masters Week is here and it's not happening, I thought, hey, how about local golf day? It's a huge golf area, underrated in the world, not just here in the state or in the country, but in the world. And we have some of the best talents that reside right here in Jacksonville, and that includes Billy Horschel, member of the PGA Tour, five-time winner as well. Thanks for joining the show, man. I hope you and your family are doing well, staying safe, and uh, probably have a little cabin fever by now, right? Yeah, thanks, Brent. Thank, thanks, Austin, for having me on. Yeah, cabin fever is uh, is a great term. Um, I'm not used to being. I think the longest I've been home uh, at one period of time is probably three weeks, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, it's probably in the last ten years. So uh, I'm going my fourth week, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I I have to. Um, for me, you know, being in season and, and focusing on golf, I had to quickly adjust the mindset I had uh, going into it, knowing this could be a long, we could be in this fight for for a while. So I had to get out of my golf mode, uh, something I, I've gotten better as I've gotten older, but I still am in it. And so I had to get out of my golf mode, not even think about golf, not even try and focus on and just focus on the kids, the family, and, and enjoying this time with them. And, and it's been really enjoyable. It's, it's like Groundhog Day around here every day. <laughs> Um, because I mean, we do the same thing. I go on a walk with my, my little man at eight thirty, nine o'clock. And then, you know, we go on a bike ride in the afternoon with all the, all the kids and we have breakdowns and meltdowns and <laughs> kids fighting and everything going on. But 
and and I, I think our my wife and I uh, we, we we try to see who can whose patience can last the longest. That's our game a little bit, but uh, but it's been a really fun time. It's been really enjoyable, even in a a, a situation that we are in right now. Billy, obviously being a, a professional athlete, you have to find something to have the outlet of competitiveness, right? And a little bit about myself, I'm a former, uh, you know, I, I played for the Jaguars for three years here, former NFL player, now I'm a current MMA fighter. And I'll be honest with you, man, when I hear about golfers, I don't consider, you know, golfers to be maybe the best of athletes. Obviously, you guys are good at swinging the club. But then I saw your Peloton stats, okay? And it completely blew me away. So can you talk a little bit about the whole Peloton thing that you've been doing? And obviously, Roy McIlroy right now is the kind of the guy to beat it seems like are you worried that you're gonna have an injury if you try to beat him uh with some of the sets that he's putting up lately <laughs> um so i got a, the peloton bike i've had one for about four years pretty much right around the time the company got started uh, i was moving into my new house and i built a gym and i wanted some some I mean, i've got every a lot of fitness equipment but i wanted uh, a stationary bike and um i just found peloton online i'm like you know let me get it so i've had it throughout the years and i've done some workouts but this has been something that i've done a lot lately uh i used to do i have a treadmill woodway treadmill and i do a lot of sprints but uh i can't do nearly as many sprints my knees bother me a little bit and so the bike's been great and i rory and i've talked about actually before we went to suspension or postponement here for a season we've talked about the last couple months about training him right on the peloton and i've seen some of his numbers and and so this is just a perfect time to say hey i'm, I'm gonna go see where i i stand with him and and uh he's really good he is really good he's he's probably the most fit guy on tour i would say the other guy would probably be scott stallings huh. um everyone thinks brooks kepka yeah brooks kepka can lift some weights uh i don't know beyond that what his fitness level is um you know, it's just everyone's different. Um, but Roy takes care of his body really well. Scott Stallings takes care of his body really well. So, yeah, it was, it was a challenge. I want to see where I can stand. And uh, he's gotten me a couple times, and I actually was able to get him on, on Saturday in, in a ride. And I'm not too worried about hurting myself. I'm, I'm pretty um, pretty smart in what I do. and But uh, I, I want to I get to a point where, uh, I can be considered, I mean, I take care of my body really well, but to what Scott and Roy does is just a different level. And I feel like I can up my game a little bit, which will help improve my game. Um, so I've been really focusing hard on my, my fitness a little bit and, and still getting the competition side out of it with the Peloton riding the bike and everything. And it's been a lot of fun and it's taken off. I mean, we, it was just something that I was doing. You know, sharing what I was trying to do with Rory and challenge Rory a little bit and some other tour players. Um, and then next thing you know, it's taken off and it's got its own life where people around the country and around the world are just so excited that we're riding. They can ride with us and they can see our numbers and, and we share our numbers. And, and people are like, hey, thanks for getting me back on the bike or this is a really great time for me to, you know, you know, relieve stress. And this has really been really help, helpful. So, it's just really cool. Something that we didn't even think about doing or wasn't our initial plan has grown into something that can be very beneficial to so many people. Well, and how much pressure is it on you, right? Because you have, you know, like you said, I mean, it's big all over Twitter. People are trying to, you know, follow along with you and try to beat your stats and everything. Like, how much pressure is it on you knowing that there's people all around the country right now that are trying to beat you in this Peloton bike? Like, does that kind of add a little extra incentive for you to work hard? 
Oh, 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 hell yeah, yeah. It does. <laughs> that last thing I want to do is I want to have some, I don't want to have some, some, some Joe Schmo off the road, you know, just kicking my ass. And, and then, then people think, well, wow, these guys really aren't athletes. And I consider myself an athlete. I, I grew up playing multiple sports and, and, um, I come from a very athletic background with my dad and uncles playing college football and, and my brother playing, uh, college baseball. So come from a very athletic family. So when people say golfers aren't athletes, they don't see us in that light. I'm like, man, I wish they could see some things that we can do outside what they see us do on TV and swing a golf club. Yeah, and I think a lot of folks uh, think that way on the golf course, much like NASCAR drivers are like that, too. I think that sometimes people don't consider them athletes and, and then look at what they do outside of the sport, and uh, you you then would think differently. Billy Horsha with us, Jacksonville resident, former Florida Gator. I want to ask you about that, man. You are one of the best cheerleaders for the Florida Gators out there. <laughs> you lo- I mean, all sports, though, not just golf, but all sports. Yeah. I mean, you really you, you love it. You get it. You, you've talked to teams. Uh, you love all the coaches over there on campus. You stay connected. Have you always been a huge sports fan? And, and what are some of the other teams that you root for, uh, if so? Yeah, I've always been a, a Florida Gator fan. Uh, I grew up as one, and so it was a dream come true to, to go to the University of Florida. And and I, I'm just a fan of sports in general and, and athletes in general. I When you compete at the level that, that I did or even Austin did, you, you, you have a lot of respect for when players and other teams are competing at the highest level, because you know what it takes to to be great in your sport, and you know what it takes. You know what it takes to be great in any sport. Um, you understand the time, the commitment, and 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 the dedication you've got to have. And so, um, I, I follow all Gator sports. I'm very aware of what every team is usually doing throughout the year. What uh, some of the athletes, how some of the players on those teams are really doing. Um, I'm not afraid to mix it up with fans as well, even Gator fans. I, sometimes I think our, our, you know, fans in general can be a little, um, uh, their, their expectations can be a little high and they don't understand, um, fully, you know, what these kids are going, you know, putting in the time that what these coaches are trying to do to be great. And, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. And, and regular fans don't understand that. And the fan, and especially fans that, that haven't competed at a high level. Listen, you've played high school baseball. You know, that's great. Anything in high school, I'm not going to knock you for that. But you still don't understand the competition level when you go from high school to college and you go from college to professional sports. It's a, it's a big jump. And so um, I, I've tried – I've put my – you know, put some Florida fans back in their place, and, and I've told them, hey, you know, just shut up. And if, if you don't like it, you're not a true Florida Gator fan. You're not supporting them through and through, in my opinion. Um, the other – I would say Florida Gators are by far the biggest – sports team I follow. Um, I, I follow, uh, I grew up a Boston, a Boston area sports fan because of my dad's buddies being around. them. so I've always followed the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics. Um, those are sports. I mean, the Red Sox being the biggest team that I've always pulled for. Um, Tim Wakefield grew up in my area. So Tim Wakefield's a really good friend of mine, but baseball being a baseball fan, I was always a massive Red Sox fan. Um, and then, you know, living in the area now for 11, 10, 11 years now here in Jacksonville, I've, be, I've become a Jaguars fan. I pull for a team. I, I, I'm very aware of what the players do. I want to I see the team do well in, in, in Jacksonville and, and succeed. So um, I, I can't say that uh, outside the Florida Gators I'm, I'm a diehard anything. Maybe the Red Sox being the closest. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of coaches and I'm a fan of, of, of the players. 
you know, uh, uh, just because I know that the work that goes into, like, I'm a big fan of Sean McVay and, and what he's done so far. And, you know, when I think of other players and other sports and other leagues, uh, you know, if I think of football right now, obviously Tom Brady comes, comes to, comes to mind, but I think Patrick Mahomes is an unbelievable player. So it's just guys like that, guys that I know that are really trying to be the best player they possibly can. And they're giving every little bit of themselves making sacrifices to be the best. And by, by them being the best they can, they're trying to make their team better at the same time. Billy, speaking of you know professional athletes, or, and you're a guy that's played a lot of sports, you can probably attest to this a little bit. I've always been curious because I've golfed a couple times, and used to say it didn't go so well. I think I shot a, what, a 120 last <laughs> 121. time. A, a 121. That was the full nice, 19. Nice hey, you odd beat 121. But, yeah, actually I beat our producer aside that going for me. But, you know, obviously like there's NFL players that golf, you know, Steph Curry, there's – NBA players at golf and your you know in your expertise what athlete like what sport would you think translates the best to golf like, uh, if, if, I know this one if you're taking like a pro athlete and try to teach them the, the sport of golf what sport are you taking so the, the two sports that I think that are easiest to translate to, to the golf is, is hockey yes or baseball um, oh. just because of the rotational aspect of it when you think about, you know, playing football, you guys are always linear. You're moving in a straight line or side to side line. You're not really rotating your bodies. DBs, you obviously you rotate your hips, but you're not really rotating everything. You're, you're hitting someone straight on. So when you're thinking about the hockey where you're rotating everything into to, to create power into the shot or the baseball swing, the batter, when he's up there and he rotates, he's rotating just the same way a golfer would be. It's just on a different plane. Um, as we would say, where, you know, how you swing hockey being the closest plane or how you swing the club on a plane. So those two sports translate the most. I say hockey being, being by far the, the closest one. Absolutely. And that's why hockey that's why when you see like an athlete, <laughs> that's why when you see athletes like LeBron James or other fo- other great athletes and you're like, man, this guy's athletic and you see him try to swing a golf swing, they don't know how to rotate their body because that's not what they've done their entire life. Charles so that's Barkley. why they have trouble doing it. So. <laughs> Charles that makes Barkley. sense. Yeah, that's a good uh, explanation. By the way, you are right on. The, I have said this for a long time, Billy. I don't know if I've ever met a hockey player that is actually bad at golf. I mean, they get yeah. in the in the slot because of the slap shot, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it, it just seems like a natural transition. Now, again, man, I guess I was never that good at hockey. Well, you though. just haven't I only played, played golf like, enough. I guarantee yeah, yeah. you, if you played a little bit more, maybe because of your hockey days, yeah. although you might have been a bruiser instead of a slap shot hey, guy. I, I was a left wing man. I, I, I had speed and I had a nice slap shot. Don't sell me short now. <laughs> All right, it is Masters week, so let's talk about it. You're in the field. I want to ask you: Do you like the fact that they've frozen the field, even though it's now going to be in November and Give us your thoughts, man, on the whole calendar change. Do you like it? Yeah, I, I think they had to freeze the field if they didn't, and they allowed everyone to um, who would win or qualify up until the, the November date. Now you have a massive field, and then on the back side of that, in the the original when April twenty one comes around for the Masters, um, you have an, a smaller field because all those winners that would have won after the original 2020 Masters in April that would qualify. Now they're in this one in November. So it's a smart thing to do. There's less daylight, too, in November. So um, it's a smart thing to do. It's the right thing to do, in my opinion. Um, the schedule, I think it's uh, it, it's really good. I mean, it's still it's tough. There's, there's a lot of tournaments making sacrifices. Players are going to have to sacrifice and make this t- some tough decisions. Some events that they're, they're used to playing, they're not going to be able to play. 
PGA Tour schedule hasn't come out. Hopefully, here in the next maybe week, we're, we're, we'll find out um, what that schedule is going to look like. I, I've talked a lot with the tour, and I'm on I'm on our um, player advisory committee. So it's been a very big challenge to try and put together the the, the remainder of the year and, and, and the fall, just because there's so many unknowns. And and if we go down this road, there's so many things that branch off from that road. You know, with eligibility for tournaments and everything else so it's been it's been a challenge for a tour i as i've talked to um to many of the executives there i i don't don't envy them because they're just working their 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 butts off right now trying to 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 do what's best for the players in the tour so but i'm excited whenever we do get back to play golf it's going to be great uh, i've talked to some other athletes in in other sports and i i think we all have the same mindset that we we want to get back to playing but we also we understand that sport has always been a great um, when whenever there's a tragedy in the world or something, you know, unfortunate going on in the world, sport has always been there to take our minds off um, whatever that issue may be for how, you know, for a few hours. And some people can just, you know, focus, just enjoy the game of, of, of golf or football or whatever they're watching. Um, and we haven't had that. So the sooner we can get back and the sooner we can get back to a little bit of normalcy and give people some break from this uh, this crazy pandemic that we're going through, um, I think we're all, we're all really excited about that. Billy Horschel, uh, professional golfer, Jacksonville resident, Florida Gator, and uh, always kind enough to join us here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this, uh, a thought or two about feeding Northeast Florida. You have been such a good ambassador for them. You have helped uh, far before this pandemic for years and years. Uh, we've done so many stories with you about feeding Northeast Florida. And like I said at the top, uh, you know, you guys really kicked this off, the Players' Championship. Uh, was brilliant with what they did with all that excess food and helping out feeding Northeast Florida. Uh, we actually, and, and this had no relationship with you coming on the show, but we just launched this week with Action News Jacks on the TV side on CBS 47 and Fox 30 and all of our radio stations here, um, an effort to have a virtual food drive for feeding Northeast Florida. And uh, folks can go to ESPN690.com for more information on that. But give us an update, man. How is the work? Uh, is, is it is it feeding people? Is it working these last few weeks? And how tough it is is it out there right now uh, for those that uh, uh, are hungry? First off, let me say thank you for, for what you guys are doing with the virtual food drive and ESPN. That's, that's awesome. It's very much needed. Uh, you know, it's a challenge. I mean, when the players got canceled, I knew that, um, you know, it was, it was awesome that the, the players, the PJ Tour, um, the Players Committee, uh, tournament staff committee, uh, you know, they, they supported the feeding Northeast Florida for, for, for many years now. Um, but it was awesome that they were able to donate 22 tons of food, $700,000 worth of food. Um, that goes a long way in our community. Um, we've made a lot of progress from when I uh, came on as an ambassador and wanted to help this organization, this foundation, this charity uh, in 2014. We made a lot of progress to making our community more food secure. Um, but unfortunately, I could never imagine that, uh, you know, we'd be in the situation now, just not in, in Northeast Florida, but around the entire country where we have 10 million people that are unemployed right now. Um, that's a massive number. And then whenever the, the, the number for this week comes out, that number is going to grow. I mean, that number could be, you know, another two, five, seven million more, uh, Americans and unemployment. And if people, when they think about local food banks, 
do we feed homeless people? Yes. But there's many more people beyond just homeless. There's a lot of people that don't, don't realize that there's people working two or three jobs trying to make ends meet for their family. And, and they're, they're paying the electrical bill, paying the medical bill, paying car insurance, paying their car payment. And usually the last thing that's left on the burner is food. And so it's feeding Northeast Florida and, and then feeding America around, around the U.S., do a great job of helping supplement for those people when they don't have, you know, the, in the, the, the means to, to buy food for their family and everything. And there's a lot of children right now that um, would be going to school and be getting meals um, that they normally get. Well, they're not having those meals now because schools are all closed. So more children are going to need food. So it's a, it's a, it's a struggle. There's a lot of people that have stepped up in the community Um there was some, uh, the former, I think the president or CEO of CSX, um, I think I just saw donated, um, I want to say $250,000 to, to feed Northeast Florida. Um, I think that's the number, um, just a couple of days ago. So that's, that's a massive help, um, in the sense that when people think about the number, if you donate $1, that equals six meals. So him donating $250,000. Um, I can't do the math too quickly because I don't want to make myself. It's what that. It's, uh, it's 1.5 million meals. Yeah. 1.5 million meals. So that's a big number. That's huge. That's going to help our community so much. The Northeast Florida community so much. So um, we need food. We need money. If you're in a in a position where you can donate some dollars, like five dollars, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it goes a long way. If everyone's donating some five dollars here, five dollars there, it just goes a long way. So. We are we are in a, a, a battle just like uh, everyone else is over this pandemic. We're in a battle of trying to help feed um, the feeding uh, Northeast Florida community, and there's going to be more people due to um, the unfortunate circumstances of this pandemic and losing jobs and everything else. So we've got a long way to go. We're doing a good job, and, and everyone over there, Susan King, the CEO of, the, of, um, of Feed Northeast Florida, she's unbelievable. So. There's a lot of hardworking people trying to, you know, take care of, help people out in this community, and, and it's great to see everyone come together. Hey, man, keep up the good work. We appreciate all you do uh, on and off the golf course, and, and part of today, kind of celebrating local golf. I think there's a ton of pride around here uh, with all you professional players, especially when we see you on top of leaderboards and, and uh, you know, making some noise and winning golf tournaments. We're going to have Jim Furyk on and Russell Knox on a little bit later on in the program. So we appreciate you stopping by. Hope uh, hope the family's well and be safe and, and look forward to you playing in the second half of the year. Sounds good. Thanks, boys, and you guys stay safe as well. All right. Thank That's you, Billy Horschel, Jacksonville native, Florida Gator. Uh, does some amazing work with Feeding Northeast Florida. And you can help out, too, uh, just a little bit more on what you can do with our virtual food drive. And you can help in a variety of ways, but this is just another outlet. Go to ESPN690.com. $40 provides 10 snack packs to children in need. $100 help provide four family boxes. $250 help provide 10 family boxes in need. But just like Billy said, you can donate any amount from $5 to 500 to 500,000, whatever it is, uh, just check it out at ESPN690.com and help feed the hungry here in Northeast Florida. We appreciate all the work that they are doing as well. More local golf talk coming up a little bit later on. Jim Furyk will join us in the 4 o'clock hour, but let's get back to some football talk right after this. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I definitely feel like last season was a step for me. Just with getting experience, I feel like in this league, you can study, you can, you know, do the extra drills as much as you want. 
it all comes with experience. So getting those game reps, those live game reps, those you know crunch time games, scenarios that you put in. I feel like that's where I'm starting to excel as a player, just getting comfortable on the field, getting used to the game speed, everything's slowing down for me. So uh, yeah, right after uh, the Super Bowl, I started to tap back into you know the small things I need to fix. Some notes wrote, written down. Herndon, Trey Herndon, the Jaguars quarterback, uh, on a call with us earlier today. I like that the Jags uh, PR folks are helping making some of those guys available, uh, you know, every now and again. And I would assume we'll still have our pre-draft news conference (laughs) via Zoom or Skype uh, coming up uh, probably sometime next week, I would think, now that we're a couple weeks away from the NFL draft. So we appreciate the Jaguars uh, making that happen. And and you know it's a very interesting time, and and like I've said a, a, a lot, I think it's a it's one of the most important times in my career to actually document sports. Yeah, <laughs> like I I think that's always our job in some respect. I guess I kind of don't consider myself on that high of a horse to say I'm the one documenting sports for you. He's a hero, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I really don't out there braving the elements every yeah. single day. I'll leave that up trying to, to bring the, stories to you to the Schefters of the world and everybody else. I guess you know. Yeah. But I do think this time period is, especially on a local level, I think it's as valuable as it's ever been. And, and I bet I would get a lot of people to disagree with me. But I think as we look back on this in a handful of years, 10 years, 15 years, that's the way I'm looking at this time. I mean, how can we tell stories? How can we document it? These Skype and Zooms and people are like, what the heck happened to that audio? Why was that audio so bad? Well, this is what happened. What happened to your connection? Well, hey, you know what? It happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you uh, kind of go back in time in so many different ways. But technology helps kind of keep us in time you know uh it's a beautiful thing at least that if we're going to go through this we're doing it with the the amount of technology that we do have Mm. uh so it's been really a fascinating fascinating time from i guess my perspective uh in terms of what we do Mm -hmm. uh here on the radio it hasn't changed too too much other than we don't have daily activity going on i feel like we continue to have daily topics and we're doing some fun things like this uh celebrating local golf uh for and and local sports teams and local colleges which we'll continue to do. Uh, we're going to get to Tom Brady in a moment mm-hmm. and uh, interview with Howard Stern earlier yeah, today, yeah, which I awesome. guess I'm not a big Stern guy. My buddy, my best friend, he is a huge Howard Stern guy, sure, like, yeah. like religious Howard yeah, Stern I mean, guy. He's so got I a huge like following, I know, man. Oh, I know he's huge. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I feel like I know Stern and what his show is all about and almost have listened to his show just because of my buddy. <laughs> sure. I mean, he is religious about it, uh, which is which is cool. I mean, that's what Stern has built. You know? Of course, man. But I guess they've been working on this Brady interview for a long, long time, which I don't understand. I mean, if you want if you're Howard Stern, you really have to work on an interview. I feel like you can get whoever you want. Like I mean, literally, like, <laughs> Howard Stern is like the king of radio. You know, like, sometimes we kind of get bogged down with sports radio a little bit. We think of the big sports radio guys. Yeah. But I'm talking about in the landscape of radio in general, Howard Stern is the king. Absolutely. Uh, hey, a uh, couple of things on the local golf front. I asked the question earlier today, what's your favorite golf course in the area? There's so many good golf mm-hmm. courses. This area is unbelievable. Uh, Terry says Atlantic Beach. Wayne says Northampton. Again, underrated up there at Northampton. Hyde Park. Oh, Donald Ross design. If you give me $5 million, okay? If you give me $5 million and just drop it down, and I know these are tough times for that kind of thing, so I'd yeah. probably help people more than do this. But sure. it, say we're rocking and rolling again, and things are going well, and mm-hmm. everybody's in good shape, and the unemployment line isn't as long as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would take that uh, some of that $5 million. If you could say, do anything with it, and we'll give you another five for, for your family and everything else. Okay. You might want to take it to Hyde Park. Okay. And, and just throw a boatload of money into it. 
and bring back yesteryear with that Donald Ross design. I mean, it is it's a from a golf course perspective, it's a it's a throwback to like the 19 Ben Hogan played there, made an 11 on one of the holes there. So I mean, that will tell you it's got that historic sense to it. Uh, and obviously over the years has not kept up with the times as much. But some of the folks that have, have tried to do it from a local level have done a fantastic job maintaining. And it's still a heck of a fun course to play. If you play golf, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so that was a, that's a good call in Hyde Park. Uh, Brian McGuire says private Timaquana or Deerwood public Jack's Beach or Hyde Park semi-private St. John's or Southampton. Both always in great shape. Resort TPC or PV Ocean uh, nine hole or Palm Valley. Close the ravines. A lot of people mentioned the old ravines course. That's before. Before my time, I think it closed just before I got here. And by the way, Brian, make sure I don't ask you where to go to dinner. You're like my wife. I asked you where your favorite course is, and you gave me 12 of them. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out and, and participating. Preston says Hyde Park and San Jose Country Club. So I'll have more of your answers coming up. Uh, in, in just a little bit. Brett Martin. Adventure landing golf course, baby. Make it happen. Top golf. I mean, top golf. They yeah, have a yeah. new mini golf course over there now. Uh, top golf? Yeah. Oh, say no more. I'm yeah. over, I mean, when, when everything's back and running and everything, I'm, I'm over I there. I think dude. it's a 12 hole course. They said we we're supposed to do a show there mm-hmm. at the end of March, uh, just to kind of help kind of launch that thing and, yeah. and thought we'd have some fun hanging out there. Yeah. And obviously everything then got pushed. Is it inside or outside? It's right. It's outside. Okay, cool. It's outside. Yeah. Cool. So uh, I like it. that's pretty cool. Uh, all right. So we'll get back to some local golf in just a bit. Uh, I did. I will share the story behind this. I brought this in. Yeah. I don't. This is part of my resume tape. It's show and tell day. What do we got here? Oh, this is the time. It's autographed by somebody. I'm not sure it's autographed by. It should be autographed by me. Oh, is that Jordan Spieth? That's Jordan Spieth. Got gotcha. the 2015 Masters. Nailed it. And right 24 hours after he played it. Yeah. Guess who played it? I'm an official member at Augusta National. Is that his scorecard or your scorecard? That would be mine. Okay. And it's not like his. I bet it. What would you shoot that day? 87. Generous. Generous. 87. Are you you telling the truth, though? Oh, no, no. Every shot. Every shot counted. Winner rules, though? No, 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 no. All right. All right. That's not bad. I feel like 87 is not bad. Uh, Not bad. For the Masters. Uh, Listen, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, I I would kill for that. (laughs) I'll take it, and I was happy with it because I was almost happy with the doubles and triples I made because it actually was – it represented the golf course. If I could have two holes back, I'd love to have two holes back, and I think I could have shot like an 83. Yeah. But – the triple I made, like on nine, I'll tell you a little bit about it. I'm not going to go through every shot, but uh, uh, a little bit about that experience. But that's the backdrop here today on, on uh, cool. uh, local golf day because it's Masters Week. So we have mm-hmm. a little bit of that flavor. And of course, you see the Dream 18 logo. Uh, we've tried to support local golf uh, with our charity golf tournament and others, uh, uh, junior golf and also the local military um, and many others are, are along the way. Now over $100,000 raised with our Action Sports Jacks Dream 18. All right, Tom Brady and, and uh Howard Stern. Tom yeah. Brady said he, he drinks over 200 ounces of water a day. Mm-hmm. You know, he said chronic hydration is a big problem. Uh, dehydration, I'm sorry, uh, in, in our society. I would agree with him. I don't know if I'm hydrated enough all the time. I'm at, I'm at like 140 ounces a day. Okay. Okay, I try yep. to get. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I am. And I, I harp on the kids all the time about this, man. My kids do not drink enough water, especially no, down here. To, yep. I thought it was an interesting thing, though, because, you know, he's a health crazy guy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't put like sugar in his body. He doesn't drink coffee. Right. Sure. All that stuff. I thought that was interesting. That probably wasn't the headliner, but it's kind of where well, my mind went first. Hey Brent, cheers. First of all, how many do you drink? How many would you think? How many ounces do I drink? About 248. Oh, so you drink well over 200. I drink two gallons a day. 
Wow. Very yeah. good. There you go. Well, it's salt water, too. I added a lot of salt to it. Because so, now, is that good for the average Joe or just no, because you're training no, so it, much? It's good for the average Joe. So a big misconception is that sodium is bad for you, and a lot of sodium correct is. But the cool thing with salt, what it does, especially like the Himalayan sea salt, which I add to it, a lot of athletes do this. You add that to your water because it helps you actually maintain the water weight, right? So it helps like um, hydrate your m- muscles and stuff like that. Like if you're to drink two gallons of water a day, Brent. Well, odds are you could probably go to the bathroom what ten times a day yeah, because yeah. of that. Well, if you drink if you drink salt water instead of just regular water, it, it, it cuts back on your bathroom visits because your body actually holds the water and it uses it to your your advantage. So salt water, interesting. There you go. I go with uh, CGC water. There you go. Uh, official water of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN six ninety. Absolutely. And uh, they keep supplying. Try to drink a, a bunch of them yeah. uh, throughout the day. Uh, hopefully, you can too. Uh, make sure you check out CGC Water, by the way. A good time to mention that. Um, in this difficult time, if you need any help uh, with your water treatment systems, uh, give them a buzz. Check them out on the web as well. All right. Uh, did we learn anything from uh, Tom Brady, Howard Stern? Uh, the fact that he wanted to or he knew basically mm-hmm. it was going to be his last year. What did that tell you? I mean, I thought the writing was on the wall. That's what he said. I mean, it was cool. I got to listen to it because I actually have the Sirius XM uh, app. And that, I don't listen to a lot of Howard Stern, truth be told. But obviously, I checked out the Tom Brady clip. And, yeah, I mean, the, to him, it was all but a foregone conclusion. He was going to be gone out of um, New England, you know. And I thought he was very telling on a few things. Obviously, his relationship with Robert Kraft, um, you know, it, it's definitely a close one. And to, to be fair, and granted, you know, I only spent five years in the NFL, but, like, the owners that I encountered, you know, and then, like, Shad Khan was a guy who, he would come in and pop his head, he would come to some practices, but, like, he was never, like, you know, in and out and, like, you know, friend. I mean, he just, it's not his job to be your friend. He's the owner of the team. He's got a lot of things going on. And I always just felt like Robert Kraft was kind of like that. I don't say a father figure to Tom Brady, but he was just like that companion to Tom Brady, which I think is definitely a rare thing in terms of an owner. Like, a head coach, sure. A GM, maybe. But an owner, it's definitely weird. Uh, but the biggest takeaway that I took from, you know, Brady talking about New England and then the culture there and his time there was the Bill Belichick, right? Because we hear it all the time, you know, it, it, it's horrible to play in New England. You don't have any fun. But I thought, you know, Tom Brady was very candid in saying that what you see on the field, what you see in the interviews, that's not Bill Belichick. And, like, he has a lot of respect for Bill Belichick. He says that he shared a lot of conversations with Bill Belichick that mean the absolute world to him. He's not going to repeat him, obviously, on Howard Stern. But you just got the feeling that Tom Brady really thinks the world of Bill Belichick. And in doing that, he also went in the standpoint of, you know, people want to say, well, is Tom Brady successful because of Bill Belichick? And that's not what this move to Tampa was about in the first place. But I thought Tom Brady kind of put it nicely. He's like, listen, is Bill Belichick a great coach? Absolutely. Am I a great quarterback? Absolutely. If you combine those two things, you're going to have success. If I wasn't in New England, no, they probably wouldn't have as much success. And just like if I didn't have Bill Belichick as a head coach, I wouldn't have had as much success. So I thought like this whole thing where we think, yeah, he's competitive. You know, like Tom Brady wants to go there and, and break Jordan's record, and, and he wants to prove to himself that he doesn't need the Patriots to be successful. Well, the way he presented it was like, that's nothing farther from the truth, man. I just want to go play football some more. And it wasn't going to work out in New England, so I want to go someplace else. Yeah, it, it, that's an interesting part of this. In fact, just to back that up, when asked about Belichick or Brady, who gets the credit, uh, he said, quote, I think it's a pretty – expletive argument Mm -hmm. i can't do his job and he can't do mine can i be successful without him the same level of success i don't believe i would have been but i feel the same vice versa Mm -hmm. 
fair way to answer it. Yeah. You know, and I think, by the way, both men, you're not talking about six rings. Yeah. Without the, the other. Mm-hmm. And we, we did that a couple of weeks ago, right? When he was going to Tampa and it's just like, there were some times where Brady carried him. I, I mean, I think Brady could say, I should have had seven because if you guys could have stopped anybody, I threw for 610 yards in the Eagles Super Bowl and lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I no mean, for sure. what more did you want me to do? Yeah. So, uh, that, that part was interesting. I, do you feel like with Brady here, you listened to it live. I did. I saw a lot of the quotes that were coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Do you think we learn? Do you think there's more left in the tank in a tell-all book or a story down the road or whatever? And he's still because he's playing, he's very aware of that. So he's, yeah. you know, you know when you're going on Howard Stern, you're probably going to get asked questions point blank. You might reveal a thing or two. You wouldn't agree to do it if that's why he wants you on. I mean, heck. From anywhere, no, no holds barred. Well, I mean, he, he talked about smoking marijuana. Or, he he talked about that. They talked about Donald Trump trying to set him up with his daughter, and like and that was a super awkward part of the conversation. Tom Brady's just like, uh, like I don't want to answer that. So like, that was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, okay. But yeah, there's a couple of things where Tom Brady didn't really reveal. One of the biggest things was the other teams that were interested in signing him, because he said that there was like four or five, six teams that were diehard and trying to get him. He didn't say that, and and he didn't say who the teams were. Hmm. Four or five. Yeah. But but he but he wouldn't say who the teams were. He's like, well, uh, listen, we know respect. the Chargers. We we know the Chargers. Yeah, if you had to guess, who do you think? Yeah, that's a good. That's, that's I mean, so Chargers, Chargers Colts, Colts, Titans, Chargers. Um, that's so four. Three. Uh, Tampa Bay. I guess one more. I mean, New England would be one. Yeah, but I think there, he meant there's a different one too. But whatever the thing is, but he's like, I want to respect those teams because they're trying to win championships as well. Yeah. And like you know, kind of sharing that information could put teams at a disadvantage. So maybe that'll come out eventually. Here's what I guarantee, by the way, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. And, and this didn't get brought up a lot. But why wouldn't have Elway? He already had called Peyton Manning. You know, he wanted Manning. He got Flacco. Yeah. Why not go after Brady? Yeah. Would they have been able to figure out even with Drew Locke in that situation? I think that one's interesting. And maybe the other one that uh, I don't think got a lot of talk, but you wondered about it, would have been the Miami Dolphins with Flores down there who sure. had been in New England. Uh, and then on top of that, all the money they were investing mm-hmm. you know, into their defense. I think they could have been on the list, too. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, you know, when when the Tom Brady tell-all book comes out is, you know, I have this preconceived notion that Tom Brady is just, he's a dynamo. He's actually a machine in the offseason. Like, all he does is eat avocado ice cream, take care of himself, and then go outside and throw the football around, right? Like, and he's he's just... it's to a T, man. It's just it's it's almost like it's robotic. But it was fascinating hearing him grow up as a kid and like yeah, he would go to high school parties and he would he would be hung over the next morning. He would smoke weed, you know, and he wouldn't tell his dad obviously. So like he had the upbringing of, of a lot of high school kids, you know. So it's funny how that works. But the biggest thing I took away from that interview, Brent, and I hope that he dives more into it, um, you know, after his career is done, is it was trying to balance him being a father, a husband. And then a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Because he went into that interview with Howard Stern and he was saying when he first started out, you know, he was focused on winning Super Bowls and he wanted to be the best ever. And family kind of came second, right? Well, it wasn't until he got married to Giselle, um, you know, Victoria's Secret Fashion Mile, Giselle, where she actually kind of pulled him aside and said, listen, this isn't going to work. All right. Yeah, it's one thing to spend your time during during the season winning football games. I understand that, but during the off season, you're not home. You're 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 trying to work on next season already. You're with your teammates throwing the ball around. You're not here with your family. So I thought it was a really behind the curtain inside of Tom Brady's head of what he kind of had to go through to change his philosophies and his principles and his hierarchy really of who he was because this was a guy who just wanted to win, Brent. 
This was a guy who wanted to prove everybody wrong, and all of a sudden, his wife, you know, the, 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 the woman that he married is telling him, listen, what you're doing right now, it's not working, and either you fix it or we're going to have big problems. And, like, just to go hear him go through that and the mental gymnastics of trying to, bend to, you know, to trying to balance a family and a football career, it was fascinating. Yeah, that is very cool, by the way, and shows a vulnerability for Brady. He, yeah. he brought up that a couple of years ago. They, went, they saw counseling, marriage yeah. counseling, mm-hmm. and you wonder if part of that, you know, not to delve too much into their personal relationship, but you wonder if part of that was say, hey, I want to keep playing. Mm-hmm. So I got to figure out a new way to do it. But it goes back to what I've said for a long time, man. It is hard. I said this a couple weeks ago. It is hard to be great and the best ever one of those kind of guys, like the 1% of 1%, mm-hmm. if you're not extremely selfish. Absolutely. And that when you get married, when you have kids, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But that does take away from me, 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 me all the time if you want to be a good husband and be a good father. Of course. And so I think he experienced a little bit. That's not – listen, Brady. Brady's declining a little bit in stats, not because he got married in my opinion, because he's 42. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't father have as much around him, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but that's a fascinating revelation there. And – I just think we we don't think like that. People don't, you know. I mean, I think, hey, let's let's try to do the best we can. Let's sure. I'm not saying, hey, I want to be in the broadcasting hall of fame and and the best radio or or TV guy that ever lived. Yeah, like it's never crossed my mind. And and in fairness to Brady, he brings that up too about legacy. He said it's never really been no. Like he doesn't think like I've got to win this many. I. I, well, I love that part because we all do that to people. Yeah, we do that to LeBron. Mm-hmm. We do that to Tiger. You know, whether, hey, he wants to get 18, he's got to get 19. We do it to any professional athlete at the top of their game. We, we do it. We think we know what they want. Yeah. And it's like I say sometimes about coaching, the coaching cycle and circle. It's like the guy that is at, oh, let's just take Matthew Driscoll, for instance, okay? Uh, Matthew Driscoll, well, his, he's got to get to the power five. He's got to, the UNF men's basketball coach, by the way, he has to go here. He's got to get another job. He's got to make a million dollars at a job. I'm not saying he would never want to do it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes being a place you're comfortable, making a good living, a city you like, all those kind of things, knowing that it fits well for you and your family is an okay place to be. But we on the outside always say, well, that guy's going to want to go here. He's going to want to make a million dollars. He's going to want to go coach in the Power Five. And name your coach. I'm just using Coach Driscoll as an example. Uh, But I think Brady kind of speaks to that a little bit where it's like we want to set the path for Tom Brady, for Tiger Woods, for all mm-hmm. these guys, for their greatness. Yet we never really know what their path to greatness is in their own mind. One of my favorite quotes from that interview was when he talked about the legacy part. And Tom Brady was like, I love the game of football more than anything. But do you think when I was in high school and I was coming up, do you think when I went to bed at night, I cared about, well, I hope in 20 years my legacy is going to be great? Yeah. Like, No, it's not like that at all, man. Like, but when it's all said and done and he reflects back on his career, of course it'll be important to him. Of course getting that gold jack in the Hall of Fame, that'll be important to him because it shows that all the hard work paid off. But right now, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay could care less about a legacy. And one more thing, too, about, you know, trying to balance being a husband and, you know, being a father and being a, a starting quarterback in the NFL. You got to keep in mind, too, who's married to Brent. He's married to essentially the Tom Brady of models, you know, for Victoria's Secret. And I think she's retired now. But, like, that's another great point, too, is, like, I had to realize, like, what I got myself into. Right. Because it's one thing to be married to a housewife who, you know, I mean, she has goals and everything, but it's her job to take care of the family. 
Giselle wants to do Giselle things. Giselle wants to, you know, go around the world and, yeah, and do fashion wise. Exactly. And, and she's one of the top at the game. Exactly. So, like, hearing him trying to balance that as well, I'm like, listen, there's a reason why he's the GOAT. Not only I feel like as a football player, but possibly a husband too, because that's just a different life, man. I couldn't imagine. Just it is say interesting, that. you know. Yeah. And where does ego lie in all of that, too? Yeah. You know. Uh, so it, it, it's fascinating. You come out of that. You, I don't know if you like Brady or not like Brady. I think he's a likable figure. I really do. I, from a, and again, I know folks know that I'm from New England. I'm not a Patriots fan. Like I don't have a Tom Brady jersey. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've probably rooted against him more than I've rooted for him. Mm-hmm. And there have times I've been at Super Bowls. I'm like, you know what? If he's going to become the GOAT here, if he wins his fifth Super Bowl, now I didn't know he was going to do it in that fashion against Atlanta. Yeah. But you're like, I, I'd like to say I was there for that. Yeah. That wouldn't be bad. But I don't root for him openly. But at the same time, I find out that I like him. Like, I think he's a cool athlete. I, I don't think there's much about him that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And what I wonder is, for people that were on the fence on that, when you hear him with Stern and kind of these revelations and a vulnerability maybe that he sure. hadn't showed too much – does it make him more likable? I'm going to say this. I I mean, I've always respected Tom Brady, right? And it's funny because, you know, to me, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, they're two guys that when I played against them, when, when my teams played against them, like the coaches put them on a pedestal, your teammates put them on a pedestal, right? Yeah. It's like we have to play our best game. I have to show up because I'm playing Tom Brady. I'm playing Peyton Manning, you know? And, like, I'll never forget when we played the Patriots here in Jacksonville. Like, there's a reason why that baseball bat came to fruition and then the back either, Brent, because we're playing the Patriots. We're playing Tom Brady. So, like, we needed every incentive to try to go out there and have our best game because it was Tom Brady. So I left that Howard Stern interview with a newfound respect for Tom Brady because we put him on such a pedestal. For the first time, you know, maybe ever, and at least in my opinion, Howard Stern was able to bring him down to everybody else. You know, this this was a guy who drank in high school. This was a guy who likes cracking jokes. He, he likes cussing like anybody else. He cussed a little bit, and Howard Stern was like, dang, Tom Brady swears. That's awesome. And hearing him, and one of my favorite things about that interview, too, was hearing him talk about the locker room. And a big reason why he can't step away from the game of football. Like, yes, he wants to keep on winning and that, too, and Super Bowls are fun, but it's the locker room dynamic. He said... The locker room is a safe space, even like at home or even like in, in public, wherever he is, he feels the safest in a locker room because you, you can be yourself. You, there's no repercussions for what you say, especially times like this where anything you say, you sometimes got to walk on glass because you don't want to offend anybody. He said the locker room is the one place where it's like his sanctuary. And it was fascinating hearing him talk about culture and what makes a great locker room, right? Because we, we always say these pillars, you have to have the pillars to be a great locker room. You have to have these veterans, these captains to be a great team. He didn't really mention any of that. He said the biggest key to having a successful locker room is being able to communicate and understand each other. And, and he put it nicely. He's like, listen, I'm 40-something years old. I'm going to Tampa Bay right now, and there's guys that are 20. There's, there's guys that are half my age. When I get to Tampa Bay, I have to find something that we have common ground on, or we will never work. I have to find, whether it's music, whether it's a movie, whatever it is, we have to find some common ground, or we cannot be teammates. So it, it's, it's, it's fascinating going into that as well. One thing, you hear some more stories uh, coming out of New England, you know, over the last few years and what you just said there i think will be the piece that will be fascinating down the road Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are going to celebrate and marvel at how good of a teammate he was Mm -hmm. and i've heard the story of that pedestal by the way that young players walk in there like oh my gosh this is tom brady and he really has to work to lower his own level Mm -hmm. and just say i'm just another guy here 
I'm just not. And so the fact that he realizes that, I think we'll hear a lot about how great of a teammate he was over the years. And and I look forward to that. I think that will be pretty cool um, because what you said is right on. People put him on a pedestal, mm-hmm. but not only opposing coaches, people right in his own locker room yeah. uh, and in the right organization. I mean, can you imagine Tom Brady walking down the hall at, at Patriots headquarters and you're like the, the sales guy or ticket guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like. You, you you call you leave office and I like, guess what I, I said hi to Tom Brady down the hallway today for sure I mean, for sure that's what people but, do that's kind of cool right yeah well Tom Brady's like nah, I'm just another, I'm just your coworker that's exactly the way he's thinking exactly and, and I was such a fan because I never really thought about it before Brent you know I'm just like trying to find a common ground something you have in common to get along with your teammates to try to build some kind of brotherhood and camaraderie. And, like, when I thought, think back to my career, my rookie year, you know, our defensive line room was made up of all characters and types, all right? I mean, if you want to do a hard knock show, a reality TV show, the defensive line room was it. And we, and we had a head coach that was pulling no punch. I'm sorry, we had a defensive line coach who was pulling no punches at all. But, like, I think back to it, I'm like, man, I think back to all the different personalities and the, the different upbringings that we all had. And for some reason... We all got along well. You know, we had Tyson Alava, the most quietest guy you're ever going to meet. DeAnthony Smith, he was, you know, the flashy kind of guy. You had Pot Roast, who was just a character. Derek Harvey was a character. But, like, and I think back to, like, well, what did we all have in common? Like, how did we get along so well? And I think back to the movie Batman with, with the Joker. Remember, it was the, the, the Heath, yeah, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger, yeah. We would quote that during training camp. Every single day. And, and I'm saying we all quoted it together. And they always say, like, defensive linemen are crazy. We're crazy, man. And you got to be crazy to play football. But, like, that's what got us through training. Interesting. Camp. That's what got us through Joe Cullen was just doing these stupid quotes from Batman movies. That, hey. that was our common ground. Hey, uh, we're talking football. We're talking golf today. Uh, let's talk more golf and celebrate local golf in the area with Jim Furyk. He's coming up next. Some more of your responses about some of your favorite golf courses in the area. Hyde Park and San Jose, says Preston. Curry says Hyde Park and Bent Creek. Travis Eagle Landing. Eric, oh, I've always thought uh, Northampton with a special nod to Hyde Park as it's Donald Ross design. A lot of Hyde Parks in here. Uh, Jack Knight says St. John's uh, Golf and Country Club. Malcolm, Pablo Creek, Timaquana, Sawgrass, Plantation, Long Point, Atlantic Beach. Man, I want a point where you play. These are nice courses. We'll be back with Jim Furyk right after this. How about this resume right here? Been professional since 1992. I bet it would be a good trivia question. Where did he go to college, Jim Furyk? Where did he go? University of Arizona. Way back now. He's been on the tour for almost three decades. Still looks fantastic. 17 PGA Tour wins. 2003 U.S. Open champion. Oh, the accolades go on and on. PGA Player of the Year. PGA Tour Player of the Year in 2010. FedEx Cup champ in 2010. Ryder Cup captain. Payne Stewart award winner. Let's welcome to the program Jim Furyk, Panavidra's own. Hails from the great state of Pennsylvania, but we call him our own. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing, Brent? Hey, thanks for taking some time, man. We're lo- we're celebrating local golf as we try to shine the spotlight on sports here in town, and and uh, we love to do it uh, in the local golf scene. And and you're one of the biggest names that has been in this area, uh, of course. There's so many guys that live in the area, whether it's up to St. Simon's Island or here in Ponte Vedra, and I think Jupiter's another hot spot down in South Florida. What's the draw? What's the attraction? Why do all you guys live here? That's a heck of a good question. Um, I mean, I I love Jacksonville. I ended up kind of here by accident, but uh fell in love with it and have lived here now longer than anywhere, anywhere else in the rest of my life. But I think a lot of it with the tour headquarters and, and the practice facility at uh, TPC is, is, a, is a huge draw. But, um, 
know, I, I think Jacksonville has a lot to offer, and we love the city, and um, we spent some time both in Jacksonville and in Ponte Vedra, so, uh, you know, this is going to be home for a long time for us. Yeah, it certainly has been. Like, I think the cool part about it, and like I said, we take a level of pride, I think, in, in having professional golfers in the area and live here and kind of be part of it. Billy Horschel we had on the show earlier. We're going to have Russell Knox on a little bit later. Uh, but you're a great example of it. I mean, you fall in love with this place, and now I think people – like if you if you ask some folks on the street, they're like, "Hey, yeah, Jim Furyk, he's from Jacksonville. He was born and raised here." Yeah. That's how much you feel a part of the community, Jim. Do you sense that, especially with what you and Tabitha have done, giving back to the community? Yeah, absolutely. I was I was born and raised in uh, in Pennsylvania and spent a lot of time in Lancaster, and and that'll kind of be where I'm where I'm from, and that, that's that's where I grew up. But as I said, I, I lived in Jacksonville longer than anywhere in my life, and. And this really became home when Tabitha and I started kind of our family here and raising the kids and we started our foundation. Um, this truly is home. And so um, we, we feel a, a great connection to Jacksonville and, and Northeast Florida. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're real proud of, uh, of the foundation and, and, and the work that it's done. And, and uh, you know, Tabitha runs that foundation. So uh, I'm, I'm extremely proud of her and, and all that she's been able to accomplish. Brent Martineau here, Austin Lane, former Jags player, current MMA fighter, action sports Jacks on ESPN 690 as we celebrate local golf. We talked some football here today as well, and Jim's a big football fan too. I want to ask you about all these local guys. You you must have some heck of a, a Saturday morning games in the off season, or I don't know what time you play, but uh, <laughs> how good are the games that you guys, when you get together and you're not playing in a tournament, uh, whether it's TPC, whether it's Temaquana, Sawgrass, Country Club, wherever you end up, uh, do you guys have some fun? Yeah, we do. We do. There's actually, uh, I, and I play a lot of golf with folks that aren't on tour as well. Uh, you know, guys are, are, some are great, you know, some are real good players. Some, some are average, average golfers. I, I just enjoy having fun. You know, we're on the tour so often, uh, and playing so many good, tough golf courses and courses that are set up difficult. Uh, I enjoy kind of getting out there and having fun just like everyone else. And, uh, enjoying enjoying my friends' company and and uh, and having fun, but there's always a there's always a little game and something on the line as well. Well, you shot a 58, so that will be tough to beat. But is that your best score ever? I mean, in a fun <laughs> round of golf, have you have you gone? Lower? Oh yeah, no, I haven't. I'll, I'll be honest. Like uh, my my best scores have actually come in tournament situations. So uh, going out and messing around with some friends, and I mean, I'm trying and I'm 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 working at it and trying to play well, but. You know, my focus isn't quite the same as when you're locked in a tournament and, and you know, the, kind of the switch goes on. I've, I've always shot my lowest numbers and lowest scores in, in tournament situations. Hey there, Jim. So, you know, the world of sports has obviously been put on a pause with the pandemic going on right now. I mean, if you're an NFL player, if you're an MLB player, if you're an NBA player, obviously your stadiums are shut down right now. Golf is a little different, right, where if you're a pro golfer, you can still go to the courses and play. My question to you is, is there a part of you that wishes the PGA Tour would still go on with no crowd, seeing how you guys can still get out there and play? Uh, I don't know. I the easy answer is no. And I think a lot of the reason behind that, though, is you have to still to put on a golf tournament. I realize we could probably do it with very few volunteers, but if we're going to play an event, it's going to be on television. And that television compound's probably got hundreds uh of employees and they're in close quarters. And so unless we could figure out maybe a way for them to do their job where they could social distance as well, uh, I don't think we could get the tournaments on television, which would be, 
kind of the main purpose of it all. And I, I just don't think it would be safe right now. So I'm sure uh, Commissioner Monahan is uh, expending every idea possible and trying to figure out, uh, you know, when it'll be possible for us to get back to work, but to do it very safely. Yeah, what do you think, Jim? Uh, Jim Furyk with us, of course, professional golfer. What do you think about the new schedule that, that they are going to try to run out there? And, and who knows? You know, that could get postponed again. But uh, the way yeah. it's laid out, this is Masters Week. This is part of the reason we're celebrating local golf uh, here this week. But it's going to be in November. Uh, what do you think about how they've laid everything out? I mean, it's it, for a fan, it's unbelievable. I mean, think about all those great golf tournaments right in a row, especially the Open and the Ryder Cup. But uh, what do you think about it? No, I think it's great. I think, you know, we all want to get back to work. We all want to get back to playing golf tournaments. And so whether or not they, they squish a bunch of events together, uh, whether it's big events, however it may be, I think, you know, we're, we're just anxious to get out there and play. So uh, if we have to play the U.S. Open and the Ryder Cup back-to-back, you know, so be it. As, uh, the European side's going to have to do it just like we are. And um, I think guys are just anxious to get back to playing golf, and, and they're happy to do it, whatever it takes. So, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to see something come out positive, right? We're all kind of locked at home and, and uh, you know, not really having the opportunity to get out there. So to, to think ahead, to think, you know, mid-June seems, seems uh, you, you guys tell me, that, that seems a little maybe uh, – too positive? Yeah, I don't mind uh, the positivity. I'm like the president of the Sunshine and Rainbows Clubs. Yeah, I kind of have to be with the Jags. And right. Day. But uh, July is kind of when I'm looking at second half of the year. I'd love Fourth of July time to be able to, to kind right. of get back. But I think that's even right. a positive. I get why people are more negative than that, uh, but I'm just going – my mind frame is no, uh, uh, part of the summer. Yeah, I think the whole the, – the, the biggest thing, and we, we don't know right now, is when we'll get – get to start again and that that'll have i think that'll dictate you know schedule fedex cup playoffs majors uh it's really going to be on that start date and so hopefully that'll be sooner than later and and uh we can get some you know a definitive schedule in front of us but right now i thought it was exciting news this week and it was good to read through it and kind of get a handle for things. We're going to keep Jim Fuhrer for a couple more minutes. We appreciate him joining us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, what are you doing at home, Jim? I'm, we're playing like marshmallow baseball. I've, I've, I've eaten at the dinner table more in the last like month than I have in the last five years. Uh, are you teaching math class at home? Are you got any fun games? Uh, what have you been up to with the family? Oh, you got you have to explain marshmallow baseball. I think I, st- I stopped listening after you said that. What is marshmallow baseball? <laughs> well, basically, you just get we got a, the biggest marshmallows we can find and one of the smallest bats we can find. You know, like one of those souvenir bats you get at, at an MLB yeah. game. And, yeah. Uh, it's in the living room. Now, you can't sprint to the bases. you got to walk, so sometimes you get penalized. But you, it takes some hand-eye you. coordination to hit that marshmallow. And after, like, right. two innings, the marshmallow becomes, well, kind of flattened. So, uh, Understood. Is this like uh, playing in Tampa where you have, like, you know, if you hit certain lights, you get, like, a single, double, triple? I mean, uh, that's Hey, that, you're right on the money. Here's what happens. If it lands on a counter or a surface and does not hit the floor, it, it's an out. So oh, wow. it, it's not as easy as one might think. I struck out with the bases loaded. And as it gets flatter, it probably stays more often. I understand. So <laughs> all right. So so what are you doing? <laughs> you know, not not that creative. I I, I, don't, I definitely cannot one up the, the marshmallow baseball. But uh, you know, I think we're doing a lot. of Everyone else, we've been watching some movies. Uh, I live. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I live pretty close to the St. Johns River, so I've been fishing a little bit. I've been kind of sneaking out for about an hour a day and. And fishing, uh, catching some reds. I cut a little trout last night, so uh, that's been fun. That, that's been my fresh air. 
been trying to work out quite a bit, trying to stay fit. Um, and honestly, I am the least handy person maybe on the face of the planet, but I've been kind of fixing things up. I've hung like a bunch of shelves in the garage and coordinating and organizing. And uh, my wife is uh, is obviously the, she's the organization of the whole. She's the brains of the whole deal, the looks of the whole thing. But uh, she's uh, she's been helping out a lot, and we've been organizing things and kind of getting things done that we've always wanted to but been too busy to do. So, you know, with guys on the PGA Tour, obviously, like, you guys are all staying in shape. You know, I mean, we've had a couple of golfers on so far, and they've talked about, you know, riding a Peloton bike or going outside for a walk. So there's not a doubt you guys are staying in shape. But obviously, you get a break away from the game now, right? And you can kind of mentally reset a little bit. You can kind of reset from the gruels of a, of a long PGA Tour. My question to you is when everyone comes back, whenever that's going to be, do you think scores will be lower just because guys kind of had a break, or will scores be higher now just because they have to kind of shake the rust off a little bit and get back into the groove of things? I think uh, I don't think scores are going to be lower immediately. I, I think, um, I mean, I know guys are playing golf. I haven't been playing. I haven't been at a golf course now in uh, three weeks. So um, I just just feel like staying home and and doing my parts for me right now. It's the right thing to do. Um, I don't I definitely not, don't criticize anyone. If you, know, you can go to the golf course and kind of be by yourself and and never get within 50 feet of anyone uh, and go practice and that. I just uh, I've been staying home. Um, I have a little synthetic putting green at home and been putting on that. Uh, I've been trying to make some swings and and just stay loose. But uh, I don't see scores being lower. I think. Uh, in order to get into tournament shape, you kind of have to play tournaments. So some guys are going to come back probably super rusty. Some guys are going to come back rare and to go and, and probably be very successful right off the bat. Um, everyone's going to have their own kind of formula for getting ready. And, and I think the tour is probably going to give us a, a good three, four week head start, kind of like, Hey, this is the week we're going to start and, and guys will, will do their best to, to be in tournament form. But, Sometimes it just takes playing tournaments to get in the tournament form. It's hard hard to simulate that at home. Yeah, absolutely. Jim Furyk with us in Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We'll keep you for two more questions, if you don't mind, Jim. We appreciate the time. Uh, you announced that the, during the Players Week uh, with the, your Champions Tour event that will take place in 2021. So, fortunately, it's some time off. Uh, it will happen at Tim Aquano, which is very cool. You'll be able to give back to the community. You're kind of the host of that Champions Tour event. Any changes on the horizon with that, or, or do you anticipate being able to go with that in 2021 in the fall? No, I don't. I, I anticipate we, we're ready to go. Um, you know, thankfully for us, being our first event, uh, we'll have a lot of time to recover here from you know three, three, four months off. But uh, no, we're, we're full speed ahead. Uh, we've got a wonderful sponsor in Constellation. They're excited about. Uh, kind of joining this community and, and have already made a nice donation to the foundation uh, to, to kind of help out here in Jacksonville. And, and we're excited. So, uh, as you said, the venues at uh, Tim Aquana Country Club will be the first full week. I think it's October 4 to 10 uh, in 2021. And um, we're going to, you know, Champions Tour is a lot of fun. It, uh, you know, these guys kind of have a second lease on life. The scoring is low. It seems like they shoot 20 under every week. <laughs> And uh, they do a really good job, though, kind of uh, rubbing elbows with their fans, with their sponsors. And, uh, you know, I'm just really looking forward to not only playing the event, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to be joining that tour full-time pretty soon. I turned 50 in May, and um, I still want to finish out this season on the tour and see what will happen. But I'm excited about the future and excited about our event. So, uh, you know, everyone here from the Jacksonville area, I hope you'll come check us out. Um, 
come see the event, come rub elbows with, uh, you know, the champions, champion store stars. And, and, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting. We're going to raise a lot of money here for, uh, for charities in Jacksonville. Absolutely. You guys are going to do a great job with that. That will be an awesome tournament. Uh, are you embra- You sound like you're embracing the flip to 50 and maybe that Champions Tour. A lot of guys try to, like, go to denial and say, I can still compete. I can do this. I don't want to go there yet. Uh, you-, you sound like you're embracing it. Well, I, you know, I've, I've been telling everyone I'm going to boycott 50 for a while. That's what I've been saying <laughs> all, all along. Um, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Uh, you know, it happens, I guess. And I'm really, it was, it was fun to be healthy last year for the first time in a few years. And I played pretty solid. Uh, I was in the top 40 kind of going into the FedEx uh, playoffs. I think I was 39th on the FedEx list. I had a chance to make the playoffs. It was, it was fun to play well again. Um, and I kind of wanted to see, you know, what this year had in store for me. And I was working hard and getting, getting my game in shape and, you know, for now it's not to be, but we're going to get out there and play some golf, uh, you know, later this summer or fall, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm kind of keeping uh, keeping all doors open right now, and I don't want to flip back and forth between both tours. So when I when I kind of turn the key and when I move to the Champions Tour, I'm going to do it full time. Yeah, hey, good attitude to have. All right, you're a big football fan, man. I know Pittsburgh Steelers. That's uh, that's that's your home, uh, but you've adopted the Jags. You've been a big fan of the Jags. Give us your assessment here as we head into draft time and and this 2020 season of of both of your teams. Uh, do you like Minshew at the quarterback? Uh, big Ben going to bounce back and have a big year for the Steelers. Give us a little analysis. Well. I think the Steelers kind of right now, they roll with Ben. So if, if he's healthy, the defense is incredible. Um, the offense really struggled last year, and the defense still was, you know, a top five defense in the league. So, and they were on the field all the time. So, uh, if Ben has, if Ben's healthy, if Ben can go and he can play at the same level or, or close, I, I think they'll have a really successful year. The Jags, they're doing a lot, a lot this offseason. So, uh, you know, I, I thought, uh, the Calais Campbell, that was a that was a big one. That was an eye opener. Um and you know what? Minshew seems like he's got everyone's attention as far as I mean, I, I realize the city loves him, but it seems like the team's ready to roll with him as well. So uh we'll we'll see. I know uh last year was a disappointment. Um I'm a big fan of Doug's, to be honest with you. Uh he he lives pretty close by and, and I've had a chance, uh, our kids go to school together, so I've had a chance to meet uh Doug and Helen and, and um uh, I'm a I'm I'm a fan of the Jags, but I'm a huge fan of theirs. So uh, I'm, I'm rooting for them, and I hope they do well. Jim, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm not a big golfer at all. The last time I went out on the golf course, I shot a, a 120. 121. I shot a Boston, 121, 121, Jim, okay? Uh, I mean, I grew up playing football. Poor um, caddy. Yeah, it was the caddy's fault. I'm going to blame him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I grew up playing football. I'm an MMA fighter now. Golf's just not my forte. But here's what I propose. David Ferry, okay. back in the day, um, called your shot. He said that your shot reminded him of an octopus falling out of a tree. Can I yep. send, once you get back on the golf course, once this whole thing's done, can I send you my shot one time and can you break down my shot and, and compare it to something? Yeah, absolutely. My man, Jim, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Sure. A little swing analysis. A little swing analysis. So you want me to do it live or are you going to send me the video? Uh, sometime I can just probably send you the video, man. We'll go from there. Yeah, we'll do it at yeah. another time. But sounds good. I want you to rip it, Jim. Just absolutely <laughs> rip it. Uh, don't be right. He's a big guy. I mean, he's six six. Well, but we can. You know, I him. don't have a lot to do. Send it over on Twitter, and I'll and I'll rip and I'll rip it a new one for you. <laughs> sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Hey, Jim Fury. Right. Thanks for taking the time. Be well. Uh, best to your family, uh, you and Tabitha and the kids, and and uh, can't wait to see you in action here in the next couple months. 
I enjoyed it, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate right, you having you me. You bet. Thanks, right. uh, Jim Furick on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know what I wanted to ask him a little bit? You, you, when you look at the resume of Jim Furick, I mean, we, we talked about the 58. He shot a 59. I mean, that's like unbelievable. In, in uh, 50, 59 is what people try, you know. Yeah. And then he went out and shot a 58. And I still think one of the great moments for Jim in my memory. Now, if I had asked him, said, hey, what's your best memory? And of course, the U.S. Open, 2003, it would have to be. I'm assuming that's what he would have said. But last year, finishing second at the Players' Championship, what a scene it was at TPC Sawgrass. Our hometown guy had a chance to win. Rory McIlroy just too good in the end. But I'll never forget Burek on 18, man. That was so much fun. And he's a cool guy. Great family. They do so much for Jacksonville. And, uh, yeah, they may hail from Pennsylvania. Yeah. But they're Jacksonville folks now, and uh, and we love it. Celebrate some local golf here on a Wednesday, including Jim Furyk. Glad to have Billy Horschel on as well. Russell Knox will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. We're talking football. Deion Sanders is a topic. And he had plenty of topics next on ESPN 690. Honestly, man, it's, it's, been, a, it's been somewhat weird to a degree, you know, because a, a lot of, you know, for me having – a lot of time and then the uncertainty with the you know the free agency situation you know i'm in i'm in uncharted waters for the first time in my career you know what i'm saying uh being around my kids is is obviously the the best thing about it um my son ain't seen me this much and he don't know what's going on he don't know whether to be excited or to be worried i think cam's made plenty of money he shouldn't be worried yeah uh, that's Cam Newton, by the way. He sounds like he's in good spirits. Yeah. It is an interesting time for Cam Newton, man. That is a strange I, thing. Everybody wants Cam Newton coming out of high school, right? Yeah, yeah. And then even colleges, uh, you know, from Florida to Auburn and everything that he's done. And then number one pick overall, you know, Super Bowl appearance, Superman at times. And now... He still has plenty of game left. It's not like this guy is 40 years old. I mean, he's got plenty of game from an age standpoint. Obviously, he sounds like he thinks he does. Mm-hmm. And nobody's calling. Did you see what Jameis Winston said? I, about Brady? Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, no, I mean, I, I think it's, like, ridiculous from Jameis Winston's perspective. To, like, to oh, say it like oh, that? Oh, a little delusional? Yeah, like Jameis Winston says, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great compliment to who I am as a quarterback if Tom Brady came in to replace me. It, yeah. But he also had 30 interceptions, though, okay? So a lot of guys could have probably came yeah. in and replaced too, so James. Well, I guess mind. that's his point, right? Like, if, if somebody that is more close to him, right, comes in and replaces him, then he's like, ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In his mind, he said, the only reason they were Correct. let me go is because yeah. they got Brady. Which I mean, probably isn't true. Yeah. Like, Brian because Fitzpatrick wasn't started a slam you a little bit, yeah. too, there, homie. Well, you know? It wasn't a slam dunk. Yeah. So, I always said, yeah. you know, when Tebow and, and that was going on, the one thing Elway was able to do is he was able to get Peyton Manning in. So any leftover Tebow fans and people like, give him a chance, give him a chance, you yeah, know, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. And that was probably a good amount in Denver still. Well, it didn't matter because you got one of the greats of all time coming in. It was it was a great way to suppress some of that, mm-hmm. you know, from the fan base, uh, if you will. All right. Hey, look, I'm, this is my pri- one of my prized possessions. Let's see what we got here. Uh, it's local sports golf day. It's, it's like this is all about me this moment. Though. It's all good, man. I feel like this whole show's been about you, but we're, we're all good. So here's the deal. Yeah, you're doing a great job putting up with this golf I'm trying, talk. man. I'm, I'm trying to stay conscious. I'm listening. It's like half football, half golf. Go on. All right, so what do we got here? We had a lot of WrestleMania talk for a couple <laughs> of days You better believe in there. it, man. You better believe it. I did a whole it. segment of picks on WrestleMania. <laughs> but anyway, so here's how it works, okay? If you don't know the history, 
and uh, it, it if you cover the Masters, mm-hmm. you can put your name in a lottery, and a, a few media members, on maybe 30 overall, but there's a lot of people that cover the Masters, get picked. Well, I'd gone for a couple of years, and then, bam, got picked. You go back up and you play the day after the Masters. Pin placements are the same and everything. Yeah. So you become officially a member of Augusta National. Yeah. At least for a day. Yep. Uh, so this is what happened. I've never been so early at tee time. You, you, you had to arrive at 1030 just an hour before. I think I arrived at like 8 in the morning mm-hmm. and waited it out. And uh, ended up shooting 87. Two birdies, by the way, on the front. Second hole. And the eighth hole, and I missed like a four-footer on the seventh hole. Yeah. So the big thing here to be known is we don't play the tees that the other guys play. It's about a 1,000 yards shorter, the members' tee versus the pro tees. Sure. That's okay. Um, Hole I'd like to have back is number 15. It was the par five. I drove it beautifully and kind of screwed up my second shot but still had a chance to chip, and then I shanked my chip shot. Uh Uh-oh. Should have been an easy five and made a seven. Shankopotamus. Yeah, it was a shankopotamus there. Uh one of my favorite triples in my life, actually my favorite triple in my life, because I only have one favorite, <laughs> and that is the ninth hole. I hit a couple of really good shots, but that hole with the false front, you won't know what I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. Sunday pin placement, people that love the Masters, if you miss by a ball roll, it goes all the way down in the like 30 yards off the green. Trouble. It happened to me. Oh. So uh, anyway, one uh, the, the best story I can tell you. Is uh, Amen Corner. Okay. Well, before we get in there, there's snacks and stuff, right? You go into locker room and, and all that stuff. How's the locker room? The locker room's cool. Cool. I mean, it's, it's yeah. something, something I mean, special. All the guys' names are on it, you okay. know, like Tiger and everything. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, they had like some snacks, you know, mm-hmm. bananas and stuff, but they have Uncrustables. Ooh. And Strawberry especially grape. at the time, grape. Yeah. I That's was like. Winner. Maybe addicted to Uncrustables. I've since, I've since handed that off, that addiction to other things, probably. Not, I mean, healthy things, but not Uncrustables. Gummy bears for sure, yeah. And so I get the Uncrustable. Mm-hmm. And this might be the smartest decision I ever had. Hmm. Most memorable Uncrustable I ever ate. Because I put it in the golf bag and I took it out at Amen Corner. Okay. So I, at the 12th hole, Ate my Uncrustable before going around. Okay. Uh, and on the par three there. Okay. So has anybody else had an Uncrustable? Oh, there you go. Yeah. On the 12th hole. Yeah, I probably not Augusta too many National. people have, Brent. Not too Usually, many people. Yeah, I'm sure it's. Because a lot of other more. folks would have got hungry and ate it at the front now. <laughs> you save it for Avon Court. I'm going to be honest, man. I'm looking at these pictures here, and I like the ensemble that you're bringing to the table. You're rocking that nice medium rare shirt right now. Not too pink, but just the right amount of pink. The shoes, a little blue on the shoes, by the way. One would yeah. say a little aggressive doesn't really match, but it works for you, man. I, I'm proud with what you're bringing in terms of style. Yeah, it wasn't a bad outfit. Not bad. I was, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm, I'm being honest. I was I'm in being, okay shape then. Yeah. Coming off football season, by the time April hits, I'm in okay shape. Who was your caddy? You're going to ask me to remember his name. Well, I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, you played at the Masters, the most distinguished golf course of all time, and you can't remember the guy that carried your clubs. Well, I, I have his name written down because mm. this is one of the great things. Ty actually found this. We were cleaning out a room. And so in the next two weeks after I played Augusta National, uh, I, I took a little time. And every hole I wrote down what I did. Okay. Every shot. 
and every kind of like the uncrustable story sure. or anybody else. So I, I put in the book like who my caddy was and, and, and who I was playing with and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, so it's basically like a I would say about 12 to 15 pages, and I added some pictures to it. It's awesome. But the whole point being for questions like this, when you ask me, like, what's his name? And, yeah. and that was like five years ago now. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really know, remember. I don't know, man. I figured you would have had a conversation with the dude. But I, I said in 50 years, mm-hmm. if I can look back – now, 50, I might not make it. So maybe like 35, Oh, 40. Brent, you're, you're internet fasting. You're going to make it. Dude. And, and <laughs> but, I'm going to see you there. But if I, I want to be able to share the stories and tell yeah, the stories. Yeah. Like, this was the time I played. Yep. And now, people don't believe me in this. And, and I get it if they don't. And I'm not even sure I believe myself. But you, once you enter this lottery, mm-hmm. you can't enter it for like seven years. Yeah. So if your name gets picked. And so I haven't been able to enter it, and I haven't entered it. Uh, since I'm not even sure I'm going to enter it again. Really? You know, like Scobie said, he's now played like Augusta a bunch of times. Sure. It, it kind of ruins it after the first time, huh? I feel like you had this special moment had, and you don't want to. I had a great day. Yeah. I had an awesome day. Yeah. It was a fun day. I don't want to be comparing what I did to that day. Yeah. It's almost like it's okay if it's a standalone day. Now, what you're saying I is like. I respect it. Brent, you're such a moron. If if somebody called you up right now and said, "Hey, you want to go play Augusta?" You're not going to do it. Go yeah, make better memories, right. man. Yeah, I mean you're that's a good point. Right. But I can see where you're coming from, though, man. Like the, the, that moment obviously means a lot to you, and it sticks out. And like one would think that if you play that course again, it takes away from that first moment. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying you're crazy or anything. I can understand that. Let's just say I'm at peace if I never play it again. Fair enough. How about that? I like it, man. Good enough. I All like right. it. Uh, so anyway, we're celebrating a little local golf, but we're also talking a little football. Yeah. Uh, we talked Tom Brady earlier. We talked Jags and Trey Herndon earlier. We have Russell Knox coming up in, in, uh, the 530, uh, part of this hour to finish up our local sports, uh, local golf celebration. And I do want to mention a little bit the first tee and if, uh, uh, North Florida Junior Golf Foundation, uh, the Action Sports Jack Stream 18, even Women's uh, Golf Association, which is very big here in Northeast Florida. So we'll hit on a couple of those topics, uh, along with uh, talking to Russell Knox in just a little bit but let's uh let's get to Dion sanders because i think it was a day or two ago he was active on social media he was taking questions and i thought some of them were pretty interesting well they're really interesting and here's a couple what i want to do because these you know these are Dion. so basically Dion sanders said hey ask me 21 questions and i'll you know retweet them and answer them and so we'll go through some of those questions but also Brent, i want to ask you some of these questions myself and i'll get your take on some of these if that's it, cool well, maybe i, I kind of give my to take give as my well take on- okay <laughs> He was just he was just gonna insert himself in the whole segment regardless, so no yeah, problem. I kind of just this did is, for the first. Yeah, 10 I mean, minutes. this is this is you know this is the golf day, so it's all about Brent Martino. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, do, do you want to hear Dion Sanders' thoughts, or should we just do your thoughts the whole time? I, I, you can tee it up with Dion, <laughs> okay, but then get okay. to me, please. Okay. Get to me in a hurry. <laughs> all right. So the first question, um, somebody I don't have to give the names of each person on Twitter right now. Just no, nah, no, okay. nah, nah, yeah. Nah. So somebody asked him. Who cares um, about them? No. <laughs> somebody asked him. Uh, what what I'm sorry. What life tip would you give to be successful? And Dion Sanders, you want me to jump in on that? In a, in a second, <laughs> Dion Sanders goes. You have a gift. Perfect it. Package it and pray over it and do your thing. Believe in yourself, or ain't nobody else will never give up. Wait, or believe in yourself, or ain't nobody else will. And never give up. My gosh, that's Hashtag a lot of life truth. advice. That's it a is. book. Hashtag truth. Brent, what do you got for us? Uh, outwork them, communicate, okay. and pay attention to details. Okay. 
Mine is that manners will take you places farther than money ever could. Uh, number two, Brent, best DB in the 2020 draft. Um, Deion Sanders goes, it's hard to say. He's not going to not say Akuda. No, he, he said, it's hard to say. You won't know who's who until three years from now. Some of these dudes will ball out and others won't be in the league in three years. Other than that, we're all guessing. So he didn't say Akuda. But keep in mind, though, I'm sure Deion Sanders, you know, he's been coaching guys for the combine and stuff like that. So he's not going to not say one of his guys, right? Like he's not going to come out and say Akuda if he hasn't coached Akuda. So this is him just, I think, trying to make everybody happy. Ah, uh, okay. But I think we both agree Akuda. I don't know uh, if there is somebody there that I would predict could upset what Akuda will be. I, I think everybody's way too strong on him. Yeah. You know, this isn't like me looking at the tape. I, I, I w- you'd just be taking a flyer outside of him. The separation between Akuda and everybody else, I think, is pretty obvious mm-hmm. from what people think. Now, that doesn't mean they're right. I get it. But I don't know if we're going to find somebody that really wholeheartedly believes without just going outside the box that someone else is better than Akuda. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, man. Um, listen, if the Jaguars take him, I'm not going to be that disappointed because I want them to take him so then they can bring the girl from Heart, you know, the, the band Heart, and she can sing, Ooh, Akuda! Can you imagine? Once again, just the money that you can make. I, I have a nonstop Rolodex of uh, marketing genius. Of marketing, yeah, exactly. So uh, who, finish who, it off. Whoever drafts Akuda... Probably Lions. Please do that. Um, Deion Sanders said, how to play multiple sports give you an advantage to being uh, able to play both corner and wide receiver at the highest level. Multiple sports gave me options in life, not advantage on the field. The advantage came from the study habits and hard work. Thinking like a receiver as well as a corner helped tremendously. Listen, I I saw this one, and this is what kind of gave me the idea. Yeah. And I was like ready to go, oh, here we go, Dion. Yep. Here we go. Yep. This is like my soapbox one when it comes to this. But, <laughs> Class is but, now but then I had to read it again. Yeah. But Because I interpreted it at first as being, oh, yeah, you got to play three sports. you got to play three sports. And what I always go back to on this topic, and I'm in favor of playing three sports. That's fine. Of course. Uh, play as much as you can. Have and fun. Way, you don't necessarily have to about. get a varsity letter in it. No. I mean, play what you want. Go play golf on the side. Go play tennis on the side. Oh, whatever you want to do. I'm all for it, man. I think the more the merrier. You're absolutely right. But I think we hear this kind of stuff all the time. This is where this is my soapbox part of it. Okay. We hear it from the one percent athlete all the time about play three sports, play three sports. Well, you are the one percent athlete. <laughs> you are so athletic and gifted and yeah. by the way, driven and work hard and all those other things. I'm not to take anything away. But you are so gifted that you can. But if I, Brent the eighteen year old baseball player, want to be close to as good as you are or close that gap, I got to work 50 times as hard. Mm-hmm. So I've got to put all my concentration into that spot sport or uh, most of it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I still go play golf and all those other things, but I'm, I'm hitting, man, every day. doesn't matter if it's spring or fall or winter, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's always been a disconnect for me. I understand what people say. Yes, uh, you should play three sports. Yes, baseball coaches a lot will say, I want the football player. He's tough, and we got a bunch of wimps over here. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Yeah, no doubt. But my point is, if you are even above average, if you want to be great and close that gap between you and the others that are great, well, there's only one way to do it, and that is outwork them and work on your craft Mm -hmm. and do something they can't. 
and and try to gain. I'm not saying that's going to guarantee it, but try to gain. Now, specialization didn't come in because of that. Specialization came in because of the, a lot of the wrong reasons. And by the way, as many times as parents are at fault here, I think coaches are really at fault. They just won't admit it publicly, mm-hmm. but they subtly <laughs> kind of push kids to be like, hey, we need you on the football field. We need you in spring ball. We need you here in the summer. I mean, look how all our sports have become year-round. Yeah. So, again, this is a little bit taken out of context. Dion didn't answer it that way. But it just got me on to that, like, I, I always have an issue with those 1% athletes saying, hey, you got to play three sports, play three sports. I don't think everybody can play three sports and be great at one if they want to be. Now, if you want to play three sports casually and, and just, hey, get do it the best you can, and all, that's fine. Absolutely. Yeah. That is absolutely okay. But if you have bigger <laughs> dreams than that, it takes a full concentration usually in that one sport, especially for the just okay kid. I'm just going to say this. My problem with specialization, I mean, you, you touched on some great points, but I think the point of a kid's ability to probably get burnt out if he focuses just on one sport is always prevalent, okay? Where you see it all the time where, you know, parents push their kids um, because, you know, to play whatever sport it is, and then, you know, maybe they get to college, but by the time they get to college, they're just like, dude, I'm over, man. I've been doing this my entire life with zero breaks. I never had another sport. It was just this all the time, this all the time. This is coming from a guy who wanted to be an NHL player growing up, you know, then switched over to football. So thankfully I had a little bit of transition there. But by the time I got to the NFL, man, I was kind of the point where I'm like, dude, this football thing. I'm still having fun, but towards then, man, it was like, woof. So it's a danger zone, no exactly. doubt. Exactly. So just that's the thing with specialization. I get specialization, right? Um, it can benefit some kids. I understand that, but you got to make sure that you don't burn them out. And 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 you know, playing multiple sports allows you not to do that. And I love the conversation. I just have sometimes whether it's Mike Trout or whoever now I'm putting like Bryce Harper, I don't know who said it. All these guys say it, but again, you are such a gifted athlete, man. You are 1%. Uh and, and again, that's not the only reason you're in the position you're in. But I think it's just such a different perspective. That's not kind of real life that perspective yeah. all the time. Somebody asked Dion, "What team do you think Cam Newton and Jameis Winston will be on?" Dion They better be on a team, period. They deserve to start somewhere now. I like the possibilities of Jacksonville and New England. Oh, hasn't been following the Jacksonville Jaguars at all. Wow. Cam Newton started in Jacksonville. So he said Cam Newton for Jacksonville? He said Cam Newton or or Jameis Winston. Oh, either or. The question was, what team do you think Cam Newton and Jameis Winston will be on? I'm surprised you put Jacksonville in the mix. I understand that. Uh, I shouldn't be. I'm surprised. That's an okay thing if you're... If you're on the outside looking in, they that might not be the wrong assertion, man. I mean, listen, I, I think Gardner Minshew has a chance. I believe this year is about Gardner Minshew and finding out if he's the guy because you just don't want to uncover that rock. So then and, make it about Gardner Minshew. So make it about Gardner Minshew. Yeah. I get it. But I also don't mind the folks on the outside saying, hey, you know what? If Jameis Winston can fix that, he's better than Gardner Minshew. If Cam Newton is healthy, he's better than Gardner Minshew. That's an okay opinion to have. First of all, Cam Newton has a resume that might indicate it. And Winston has a lot of good despite that one glaring bad of turnovers. Yeah. You're going to drive me crazy, Brent. I'm just saying it's a fair fair opinion to have. I don't don't agree with it. Yeah, I think it's fair. How is it fair? Because, see, here's my point, though. It's not fair because this is Gardner Minshew's year. So either he comes out, he does his thing, or he doesn't, and then Jameis Winston or Cam Newton comes in. But then what happens next year? You're going to draft a quarterback in the first round, and that's going to be your future. So then essentially Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, back to the bench you go because you won't be starting over a first-round pick in 2021. Well, wait, 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 though. What if you if you did sign – again, I'm not in favor of this, but if you signed Winston or Newton and they played well, 
then you don't need a quarterback next year. So you're saying right now, if you sign Cam Newton, Gardner Minshew goes down, Cam Newton plays okay. And listen, let's let's be honest. Let's be generous. He plays okay. Not great, not bad, just meh. Kind of like he's done the past three or four years. So he plays just meh. You mean to tell me in 2020 with, let's be honest, a new head coach, a new GM because the team didn't win if Gardner Minshew got benched, you mean to tell me in 2021 they're not going to draft a quarterback in the first round? I think under your scenario they would. I'm just saying Which what is a if likely they play scenario. well. But, 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 we got to keep it in perspective, though. If Jameis Winston or Cam Newton comes here, they're not going to have Pro Bowl years. No, not not Pro Bowl. I wouldn't take that. I mean, I'm not sure uh, uh, Gardner Minshew is going to have a Pro Bowl year, yet that doesn't mean I don't think he could be the quarterback of the future if he has a solid to good year. I just think, man... It, and especially I would consider this in Winston's case. If Winston comes in and, and say he came in and, and went 28 and 12... Sure. Well, then your only argument would be like, well, he threw 30 interceptions at, for Tampa two no, years ago. My only argument's going to be you have Trevor Lawrence in the draft coming out. Why wouldn't you take him if you have that bad a record? Uh, fair enough. I, I Again, I don't agree with it. I, don't, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I hope the Jags aren't doing it. But I understand kind of the outside saying, hey, I saw 12 games of Gardner Minshew, and I've seen enough. Mm. There are people that can do that and figure that out and might be right. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to be right. I, I, again, the I don't know part is why but, I think look, Gardner Minshew needs to play in 2020. We saw 12 games of Peyton Manning. We didn't know about Peyton Manning, man. True. He, you're a first-year quarterback. True. Okay? There, there's differences, man. But anyway, to answer I'm, his question, I still yeah. I think New England is a likelihood, especially since they um, uh, they well they opened up some room with Kessler being gone. I still think the Chargers have to be in play for one of these guys. Uh, I understand they can ride with Tyrod Taylor, but if you've got grander dreams of of winning big, yeah, <laughs> I I'm not taking a flyer on on Tyrod Taylor. But again, I, there are a lot of people that like Tyrod Taylor. That's fine. What are some of the traits you loved from your best coaches? Deion Sanders said tough and disciplined. You'd be better to answer this. Um, yeah, That's I mean. It's interesting Dion said that. I know. Yeah. Because think about who he played for, the coaches. Well, not only that, but he's a guy you would think when he played that almost didn't have to adhere to that because he was so talented. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what it comes across. I'm not saying he didn't, yeah. but it comes across sometimes with his personality that he was, he was like, yeah, whatever, I'm doing whatever I'm doing today, Yeah, you know? Yep. Uh, and that's probably an unfair thing to say, but, I mean, I think his personality on top of his game and his swag kind of said, discipline what? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? No, absolutely. Um, if I was going to answer that question, what were some of the traits that I loved from some of the best coaches? I mean, you know, you throw your Andy Reeds in there. Um, you know, I mean, I even think Joe Cullen, in, in retrospect, like, yeah, the guy yelled nonstop, but like, you know, he, he brought something to the table that I still use to my everyday life. I think the answer is simple for me. It's a coach that's genuine, okay? Because when you're in the NFL, if you're a professional athlete, you shouldn't need to be motivated, okay? You're at the top of the top. You're, you're at the elite of the elite. If you need a coach to get after you and tell you to be somewhere, if you need a coach to get after you and say, go harder, run faster, study your playbook more, then professional sports just aren't for you, man. And it's a miracle you got there in the first place. So what I think, man, is any coach that's genuine, whether that's a coach that's going to chew you out, whether that's a coach that's going to you know, hold your hand through everything, I really don't care as long as that's who you are. Because the, the biggest thing that um, you know drives players crazy in the NFL is coaches that put on a fake facade that you can see right through. Because I guarantee you at the end of the day, if a coach acts fake, a player will see right through that, and that's when you lose your locker room. 
Interesting. Um, all right, give us one more. Right, well, I thought the Dion conversation on. on social media had interesting yeah. discussions. Man, hey, I'm trying to find a good one real quick. Um, Was that it? No, I mean, there's a bunch of them, but I'm trying to find like a, a really good one here. Uh, what's the best? Okay, so... What NFL locker room was the most funny? Said the Atlanta Falcons. That's not really a good one to... Um, I guess he never drank or smoked. He went into a little bit. Here we go. Do you have any regrets as far as your career goes? Uh, Deion Sanders. Many, many as far as my personal life goes, I would have put more time into baseball. Hmm. That's, That's interesting. In hindsight, he would have done that. Yeah. Were you a huge Deion fan? I was. Yeah. I, I mean, I was doing the Deion high step. Yeah, man. Like, the, the it's funny because, like, People think Mike Vick and like kind of turned the Falcons around. Well, it was Dion first, you know. Like it's like I talked about with the Miami Hurricanes stuff. Like you know, I had two pairs of Zubas that had the Miami Hurricanes logo. Well, dude, I, I had like a, a I had a couple Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck T-shirts where they're just they're rocking like the Atlanta Falcons um, stuff just because of Dion Sanders. Like he put him over the top. So I was definitely a Dion Sanders fan growing up. It's funny because I guess I didn't really appreciate him being that young. I'm just assuming, like, oh, yeah, this guy's good. He plays football. He plays baseball. Like, yeah, I'm going to do that one day. And then all of a sudden you realize, like, just how special that type of player is. Because Bo Jackson, you know, I came in on the tail end of Bo Jackson. I pretty much missed out on all the Bo knows stuff. So Deion Sanders to me was kind of like my Bo Jackson. Very, uh, very good. I, I think, you know what? When I think of Deion Sanders, I can't help but think of Jalen Ramsey after covering Ramsey. And here's why I say it. I really, this is one thing I had thought on Ramsey the whole time he was in Jacksonville. I don't know if he knew who he wanted to be. And at times, I think he wanted to be Deion. Yeah. And Deion's Deion, man. I mean, you know, I, and I understand kind of, model, listen, basketball players have wanted to be Michael Jordan and, and Kobe Bryant. And I get it. But I almost feel like he wanted too much to be. Dion, in terms mm-hmm. of the flair, the personality, in front of a microphone, some of those things. It's one thing to be with the game yeah, and, and maybe even strive for that and be better than that. But that was just my thing. I, I just had that view at times that I I would kind of see Jalen do something or would be around Jalen doing something. It's like, I feel like he's trying to be Dion, and that's a little out of character. No, nobody is Dion. Dion's Dion, and, exactly. and Jalen's Jalen. And I think that got him confused at times. Uh, again, I, I'd love to... 20 years down the road, kind of do this kind of Twitter session or an interview session with yeah. Jalen. Mm-hmm. And and I'd be interested to hear him talk about these days. And as he was trying to find himself of who he was, I still think was one of, I don't know if it's a fault. I think we all do that. But I think he took some of the time in Jacksonville to try to find out who he was, not as a player, mm-hmm. but almost as a star athlete. When you talk about some of the greatest of all time, when you talk about your Michael Jordans, your Kobe Bryants, even your Tom Brady's now, yes, they're prolific players, Brent. You know, like the best ever, obviously. But like their press conferences and the way they presented themselves, to me, like they were never flashy. Like to me, Michael Jordan was never like, you know, check out what I'm wearing, like look at me. To me, Michael Jordan spoke with his basketball play. Same thing with Kobe Bryant. They spoke with their work ethic. Same thing with Tom Brady. And Dion was kind of that different guy that it was almost like an MMA with Conor McGregor, right? Like he put it on a new echelon because Dion would be rocking these crazy outfits, rocking these hats and everything. He had this cocky attitude, and that worked for Dion. That's who Dion was. The problem, though, with guys like Jalen Ramsey is if that's not who you are and you try to put on a facade, you try to act like somebody, that's energy, man. 
And, and eventually, like, it seems cool at first, but eventually you're going to burn yourself out. You see it happen all the time in UFC. Everyone tries to be like Conor McGregor. There's only one Conor McGregor. Because yeah. eventually, the energy that you put in to try to hype up a fight, the energy that you put in to try to market yourself, it'll come back to bite you because it takes away from your performance in the cage or on the field. So I think it's important for players just to be themselves. You know, like Dion. Dion didn't have really a, a model to go off of like, hey, I'm going to dress up like this because this person did it. No. Dion just said, this is who I am, man. Yeah. Take it or leave it. It's crucial to think about that if you're not in the NFL. Dion you know what I'm Dion. Yeah. Uh, well, well said. Uh, it's local golf day here at Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Coming up, we're going to have Russell Knox. I do want to give a shout out, though. This is really cool. Jacksonville Women's Golf Association. J.D. Cavanaugh, thanks for the information here. But how about this? Jack's Beach Ladies Golf Association had to cancel their invitational recently. Last week, though, they had World Health Day championships. The flights were doctors and nurses. One player showed up dressed as a nurse. The winner was awarded the Tony Fauci Award of Excellence. Very good play on there. Um, and they continue to do some fantastic things, although just like the, the men's golf side, the women's golf side, from the LPGA on, on down to associations all across the state of Florida and country have had to cancel uh, a lot of events. But golf courses do remain open and uh, very busy, by the way. Uh, so a shout out to the Jacksonville Women's Golf Association. We'll hit up a couple of the other uh, local golf organizations, including one that Russell Knox is very involved in. That's coming up next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know it's cool, isn't it? <laughs> hey, we're back. That's yeah, whatever, man. We had to get to the bottom of some stuff. We had we to we squash some stuff. Welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN <laughs> 690. Bird Marno, Austin Lane. Local golf day. We celebrate uh, our teams and our colleges, which we're going to do here on ESPN 690 in the next couple weeks and months. We already have Jacksonville Iceman UNF Day uh, on Friday. We just had. Today is local golf day because why not? It's one of the best areas, I think, in the world for golf. And, of course, so many professional golfers as well. And this is Masters Week. It would have been the Masters that started tomorrow. By the way, my wife just sent me uh, a picture of San Francisco because we would have been there today to start the trip. Oh, man. Yeah. How about Lost that? your heart in San I Francisco. Been, huh? I know. I would have been at the Masters Monday, Tuesday, and yep. then out to San Francisco for a little family vacation. <laughs> so I wouldn't have been able to go to the Masters for the entire time. But it would have been okay this time around. That's not going to happen. I want to give some love to a couple of other organizations. Uh, just did Jacksonville Women's Golf Association, what they were doing. Uh, all the golf courses in the area, too. Uh, I try to mention so many of them, including our friends at Southampton uh, and Derek and Willie and Jim and all the fine folks over there. Also, the first tee of North Florida. And our Action Sports Shack Stream 18 started out with so many players from the first tee uh, that would play along with us and, and along with some celebrities. Uh, you can get and help them out by purchasing their tour card at tourcard.org. And you can play some great local golf at discounted rates and help out the first tee as well. So thanks uh, to Jeff for sending that in. We also want to give a shout-out to JAGA, Jacksonville Area Golf Association, uh, for all they do for local golf as well. And that feeds right into our next guest, Russell Knox, professional golfer. By way of Scotland, lives here, of course, in the Jacksonville area, went to Jacksonville University, and he joins us right now. What's up, Russell? How you doing, man? Brian, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Doing well as I can do, I guess. Hey, are you, are you living up to uh, that daily schedule that you tweeted out a couple of weeks ago on the uh, uh, on the home front? 
you know, I've uh, I've had to make a few minor adjustments to it, but uh, for the most part, I'm I'm sticking to, I would say, sixty percent of it. Oh, especially the naps. I mean, I am the laziest human being. I mean, my my day doesn't really. I mean, I, I don't sleep super late. I mean, I wake up at seven thirty, eight o'clock. But I mean, I, the next time I look at the clock, it says noon. So I mean, I'm I'm just amazing at passing the time, I guess. Russell, I saw that you've been posting a lot of pictures with the big green egg. Now, I'm not really familiar with the big green egg. A lot of people swear by them. What makes that thing so special to cook on? Yeah, um, yeah, I've had the big green egg. We actually got it as a gift at a, a tournament in Mississippi, the Sanderson Farms, a few years ago. It was the best tournament gift we've ever, we've ever got by far. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I say the big green egg is idiot-proof. I mean, I, I am definitely not a chef. I mean, I am a okay at best cooker. And I think I'm buying 100 so far in the in the green egg. I mean, it just it just seems to... It just seems to make the food. I mean, if you use a, a meat thermometer, um, it's pretty hard to mess up. And uh, so I've enjoyed it because you can you can do slow cooks on the green egg at kind of 200, 250 degrees, or you can get it piping hot for searing steaks or even cooking pizza. So it's definitely a, a fun gadget that is great for, for times like this when you're home a lot. All right, Russell, so let's say I come over to your house and I want you to make me the meals of meals on the big green egg. What are you serving up? What's your specialty? I, uh, I mean, I there's a local butcher shop here to, down in Porto Vedra, and they have these really good New York strips, uh, prime New York strips. So I, I like to, I, uh, I have a a nice method to sear it nice, and so I would say a New York strip, uh, rice and beans is a, is always a, a good meal at my house, and. Uh, and yeah, that, that's kind of my favorites. Zero, zero like greens at all. I like your style, man. Zero. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I, I skip the vegetables. Oh yeah, protein all day. No <laughs> need any greens. I like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, Russell Knox with us, professional golfer, lives right here in the Jacksonville area. Always uh, so much fun to catch up with. And here's what he tweeted: My coronavirus routine. I'll go through it real quick. <laughs> Sleep in, make breakfast in my robe, relax some more, do one important job, fire up the big green egg, <laughs> make lunch, relax some more, work out, red light therapy, relax some more. Eat dinner, walk on beach with wife. I'm not sure you can do that anymore. Hot tub and no. shower. Norma Tech on couch. Movie, Netflix with wife. Massage chair. Sleep. Repeat. No cryotherapy in there. No, I mean, unfortunately, we had to close down uh, during this crazy time. So I've uh, I've dabbled in a few cold showers and I've kind of researched <laughs> a few ice baths and I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, but. Um, but yeah, no, no cryotherapy right now, but uh, lots of other recovery tools. <laughs> Russell Knox with us. What do you think about the calendar that just came out for the PGA Tour? I mean, are you confident that those events will happen? Uh, you know, last time to me, this this whole thing will will always start at the Players Championship. I understand that's not the root of where the coronavirus started, but for us locally, we were all there, and, and heck, we were spending some time with you on that Wednesday when you had Teddy Sotsky caddy for you from the North Florida Junior Golf Foundation. We had a lot of fun on that Wednesday prior to the tournament, uh, but now everything's been postponed. Do you like the look of the calendar in the second half of the year? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of questions, unanswered questions. I mean, the... The top guys there at the tour, uh, Jay Monahan and his crew, I mean, they, they've got a very difficult task here uh, coming up the next few weeks. I mean, th there's going to be big decisions made. 
um, on our on our season. I mean, obviously they already have with rescheduling uh, three of the four major championships, which is which is obviously a huge deal. But um, I mean, for the for the normal so-called PGA Tour events, I mean, big decisions have got to be made here in the next few weeks. And uh, I mean, I sure hope we can get going. I mean, we're meant to to start here at Colonial, uh, kind of the towards the end of May. It seems maybe slightly optimistic in my opinion, but I mean, let, let, let's hope. I mean, I think it was nice to be home. It was nice to kind of get rested, but I mean, I think everyone is, is kind of itching to get going again. Russell Knox with us here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hard to believe, man, that you've been pro since 2007 and that you, you came here to Jacksonville to go to the to Jacksonville University back in 2003. Uh, give us a story of how you got to Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about that yesterday. So I'm going to talk to someone on the phone tomorrow about how I kind of got there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's almost been 18 years. I mean, since, since I started this process, I mean, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a, a wild ride. But I, I joined this recruiting agency back in Scotland called First Point USA, and, and they were able to get me in touch with schools in the U.S., and, and to be honest, I was I was from this little small town in in Scotland, uh, way up there. I just wanted to go play golf where it was warm. I'd fed up with the snow and the cold weather. So uh, my dad and I came over on a on a trip to Jacksonville, and and I got to fall in love with the, the coach Mike Fleming at the time, and we just hit it off. And Jacksonville was a cool place, obviously TBC Sawgrass and all these other cool parts of the town. And I, I would have went anywhere I visited first, just because it was so different to me. It was cool. And uh, I mean, obviously, I've I've been in Jacksonville ever since, so it was a it was a home run for me, and uh, I enjoyed my four years at JU, and it was definitely uh, some of the best years of my life. Russell, a cool thing to see, you know, you with Twitter and everything, is the fact that you're obviously making the best right now of a pretty bad situation that's happening outside, right? And one of those things that you're doing is, you know, you're posting some of your, you know, your jump roping things that you do. You go for runs and walks and things like that. So you're you're staying in shape. With, obviously, you're a professional athlete. You have to do that. But my question to you is, you're obviously a professional athlete, and goals are a big part of your everyday life. So in posting these workout videos and things like that, do you have any goals in ter- terms of, like, w- working out, like, that you want to accomplish? before this whole thing's done with the quarantine? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, to be honest, I, I've never been a great goal setter. Um, but, I mean, obviously, this is a, a great time for for me to kind of hit the reset button here and, and kind of evaluate my whole, um, whole career, to be honest. I mean, it's been almost 10 years now on the PGA Tour, but I'm at kind of that age and crossroads where I could go kind of either direction. So, it's kind of asked myself that question of like, how much do I want it? How much do I want to put in the time? And, and to be honest, that's, I mean, th- this kind of little break here has given me time to work out harder than I've ever worked out before. I mean, I've always been, I mean, somewhat lazy self-described. So, I mean, I've, I've played a lot of golf. I've walked a lot of miles, obviously, but I haven't quite put in as much time in the gym as, as I would have liked Obviously, being at home, I, I have a few things I can do here, but I've really enjoyed to kind of get on the bike and have a rolling machine and, and throw around a little bit of weights that I have. So, to be honest, when this is all said and done, I, I should be in the best shape I've ever been in for, for a long time. So, um, I mean, looking forward for, for goals, I mean, 
when we get the go-aheads, I mean, I'm going to be – I should be hitting the ground running here because I'm going to be in the best shape I've been in in a long time. That's awesome to hear. I mean, listen, you got the game. Russell Dox with us here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We've seen you play so well. You're in contention a couple years back at the Players' Championship, but you have had some unbelievable stretches you, you, uh, to be – Right there with some of the best in the world, no doubt. So you got to have that confidence. How how important at the end of the day, when when you do look back at your career, would winning a major be? Uh, does or is there a tournament that you have to win that you're like? I got to check that box. Is there anything that comes to mind for you in that sense? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, right now I wouldn't be in a major. So I mean, it'd be easy for me to say, oh yeah, I want to win a major right now. But I mean, that might be slightly unrealistic at this precise moment. I mean, do I think I have the potential? Absolutely. So, I mean, there's a few tournaments that if I, in, in my career, that if I don't have at least another couple great opportunities to win, I'll be disappointed. And I mean, one of those obviously is the players championship in Jacksonville here. I, I know I can play well in that course. I've, I've proved to myself in the past, um, Hilton heads up in Harbor town for the, the RBC heritage is another one. I've been close there a few times. And then also um, Colonial in, in Fort Worth. I mean, those are the three tournaments that I kind of see as my major championships for the year. The other one would be the Travelers in, in, in Hartford, which uh, fortunately I've already won. So those are my, my kind of four big tournaments of the year that I look forward to. And I, I really know that the course suits my game. And, and I have to be kind of looking to kind of peek at those those weeks I mean, obviously, I would love to win a major, but those four PGA Tour events, I think, are my best chance. That's a very cool answer because I think a lot of guys, you ask that answer, oh, you got to win a major, you got to win a major, but that's very realistic, and I, and I know major's got to be on the list, but that's a that's a cool answer, no doubt. You could win right here in the backyard, man, uh, the Players' Championship, and hopefully that will happen uh, soon enough. All right, before we let you go, i got to ask you uh, two more things. One about uh, football, but uh, before I get to that, uh, Jack Oschenbach, I know, is listening, North Florida Junior Golf Foundation. How important is it to you be an, an ambassador uh, and, and kind of hooked your wagon uh, with Jack and North Florida Junior Golf Foundation and helping the 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 youth golf here in the area? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to know Jack the last couple of years now. And, I mean, Jack's a legend. I mean, he uh, he's, he's underappreciated for how much he does for for local junior golf in, in Jacksonville area. I mean, he is, he is full-time all over the place. That guy deserves a medal. So uh, next time you see Jack giving a, a pile on the back for me, he's, he works very hard. But it's, it's nice. My uh, niece and nephew are, uh, are that kind of age now where they're, they're playing in North Florida Junior Golf Tournament. So it, it's, it's fun for me to go uh, cheer them on and, and just kind of see, see the kids playing and, and see how much they, they, they love competing. And it, it helps me in, in my game in a way. I mean, the, the kids are fearless. They, they love playing. They, they play quickly, which is great. And, and it, it really has been a joy to kind of be around uh, the kids from North Florida Junior Golf and, I mean, uh, I wish I could do more, uh, and then and hopefully as as the years go forward here, we can we can have another uh, tournament. Uh, we had a tournament, Russell Knox and, and friends uh, last year, where it got rained out, so we didn't get to play. And so there's there's a lot of things I w- I would still love to do to to help the tour, and 
and hopefully moving forward, we uh, I would love to be able to do that. Well, you've done a great job with it, man. Uh, Russell Knox has been a great ambassador for North Florida Junior Golf Foundation. You said it about Jack Oschenbach, one of the best uh, that you'll ever meet. He helped me start the Dream 18 uh, all those years ago, uh, now a decade ago, and uh, North Florida Junior Golf Foundation, one of our recipients and, and beneficiaries for some of the dollars uh, that we make from the Action Sports Jacks Dream 18. And Russell's been a helper in the past uh, by playing on our Dream 18, too, so we appreciate him. All right, I'll let you go with this. I know you love uh, – you're, you're a Jags fan, right? Uh, uh, who did you grow up rooting for football-wise uh, there in Scotland, or how big of a soccer fan were you? And how does your Jags um, fandom relate? Yeah, I mean, I was a huge soccer fan. Uh, I mean, growing up in, in Scotland, I mean, football, as we call it, I mean, that's everything. I mean, uh, I grew up being a, an, an Aberdeen fan, which uh, they were very marginal at best uh, growing up. So they, I, I was I supported them because my next door neighbors were older kids and they supported them. So it was cool for me to to, to do that. But uh, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Manchester United fan now. I have been for years and I like to it's been great over the last few years here. I mean, there's so many more opportunities to watch the games on, on Saturday mornings and the coverage in the U.S. is actually very good now. So it makes it easy for us Brits to, to be able to watch back home. But, um, yeah, I mean, as, as for the Jags, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I wish um, I wish I could attend more games. I mean, it, it, it's fun to go to, uh, for sure. The the atmosphere is, is unlike any other kind of sporting event, I think. And, uh, it, I mean, in the last couple of years when they've, they've – well, that one year where they had a, a great run, it was really cool to see the city kind of get behind them again. And uh, I sure hope uh, it can be like that moving forward. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, Russell Knox, thanks for joining us, man. We love having you here in Jacksonville and, and uh, love that we can catch up with you. I know you, you, you've got enough uh, working out to do to make sure you stay in shape, but go put a New York strip on that green egg and, and uh, best wishes to your family. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All the best. All right. That's Russell Knox, a professional golfer. Went to Jacksonville University. By the way, we'll have JU Dolphins Day coming up on Friday here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He's fun, man. He's a oh, character. Yeah, man. And uh, Great personality. you got to love, you know, that's a high-pressure sport, right, especially when you get down the stretch. He takes uh, – you never know it with him. I'm sure he gets nervous, I'm sure. But Everyone he's just does. kind of a calm, cool, collected guy and and uh, on to the next thing. Yeah, just you go know? with the flow, man. You, you can appreciate guys like that. Yeah, he's very, – re- Very relatable. You know, you take these guys and, you know, not originally from Jacksonville, the three guys we had on the show today, Russell Knox and, and Billy Horschel and Jim Furyk, but they are so much a part of the fabric of the local golf community. People know them. People see them, whether it's the grocery store, the beach, or on the golf course, uh, quite frankly. Uh, and and if you look at their resumes, they've all had stretches – some more than others. I mean, Furyk's resume is unbelievable. But Billy and Jim won the FedEx Cup. And Russell Knox, when he's playing good golf, man, he is world class and uh, can be there. So all three guys, pretty cool to have them on the show today. We appreciate them uh, taking the time to do so. All right. End with a little football. All right. All right. Um, and then go out. To the to the golf course if they're open, but be safe and practice social distancing. We gotta we gotta share that. Yeah, the golf yeah. courses are on. I mean, they are doing so well, but they've made accommodations where if you look at like their a lot of their tee sheets, they don't have as many tee times because of lack of carts and everything. Because only one person in a cart. Mm-hmm. They've made the again. There are some critics of of golf courses being open, but 
There are also a lot of people playing uh, or enough playing as long as they're practicing social distancing. So a nod to uh, the golf courses that are able to stay open and provide that as long as they're doing it uh, in the right way. And we'll see what happens uh, down the road with this entire situation. But to end with football, we teased a little the receivers. We talked about that in the first part of the show. Mm-hmm. You take Judy, Ruggs, and Lamb. And Lamb. Mm-hmm. What's next? What if those guys go where the Jags don't want to take them? Well, say they go somewhere between 10 and, and 19, but the Jags still are interested in receiver at 20. Or maybe they trade back to 25 somehow or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they can come up in early second round to number 35 and, and get a receiver they like. You know, Justin Jefferson out of LSU is a guy that Daniel Jeremiah yep. uh, mocked to the Jags. Mm-hmm. Who else is in that category? Yeah, and he, anybody to get us excited. Well, you know, obviously, I mean, we we broke down T. Higgins um, last week, and that's a guy that I like a lot. You know, he's six four, uh, probably like around two twenty. Um, a guy that can go up there and get the ball. Actually, I watched a highlight tape, a highlight tape of his last night. And yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's six four. You know, and, and listen, I'm I'm such a hypocrite, right? Because I always say, take the preconceived notions out of football. A quarterback should look like this. A defensive end should weigh this much and look like this. No, nah, man, you don't win games like that. You win games by taking chances and going against the grain a little bit, a la the Kansas City Chiefs and the receivers that they acquire. Well, T. Higgins, though, man, listen. You can teach route running. You can teach the ability to get off of press coverage, but you cannot teach 6-4. And you you cannot teach the ability to go up and get the ball. And T. Higgins has that. So, obviously, you, you know where I stand. I, I, I'm a huge supporter of T. Higgins. Um, you know, another guy like we mentioned, too, uh, those big body guys. Chase Claypool, uh, a guy who won you the Senior Bowl draft, uh, you know, our fantasy draft that we had just because he had a great Senior Bowl. This guy's 6'4", 240, built like a tight end, plays like a wide receiver. You can do a lot of things with him. But obviously, once again, a guy that has the ability to go up and get the ball. Now, they're saying possibly a first or second round grade on him. I think he ran a 4-4 or a 4-5, so he's got the speed as well, man. And anytime you can mix speed with, once again, I get it. Don't have preconceived notions of what wide receivers look like, but guess what? You cannot teach the height, and he's 6'4", man. I like that a lot as well. What about the kid out of uh, – it's Arizona State, right? The AOC kid? Yeah. Another guy. Love, yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's on the shorter side. Uh, the shorter side guy, yeah. though. So you kind of like uh, – I don't know. I want – you, you kind of – I don't want a pigeonhole. No. But I feel like what you're saying is kind of on – you know, it's like – yeah, give me six three, give me six four, give of me course. something or, different or than listen, what they've got. I mean, if you do take a guy that's kind of what they got, then you take the C D Lamb, you take the Judy, who you know, I mean they're they're on six one, six two, but you know, these, these guys might be, be special. Dyna- exactly. Yeah. Then you take them there. But I'm just saying if you don't want to risk it for the biscuit in the first round and take or at least, you know, with that number nine pick and take a wide receiver and wait till number twenty or later in the draft, then you look at those guys like Claypool, then those guys like T. Higgins. Yeah, and the guy that keeps coming up to me that a lot of people will bring up is Denzel Mims, mm-hmm. uh, the Baylor kid. Yep. Um, and even, uh, you know, can you get some value out of Michael Pittman, who, by the way, is a 6'4 guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see. I feel like there's a solid uh, uh, difference between Lamb, Judy, Ruggs, and the rest. And I'm not even as convinced as Ruggs. I think everybody just wraps up in the Tyreek Hill stuff. Yeah. That he's so fast and just blown away by speed. But isn't that a danger zone like Al Davis and the Raiders for all those years? 
Yeah, I mean, it was an issue for the Bengals when, when they got Ross. Obviously, you know, he was the fastest guy. Then I think he has the fastest 40-yard dash time right. ever, you know, and obviously um, that hasn't correlated to success in the NFL. It's always a risk, but once again, you can't teach 427, right? And if you can put that on the field, yeah. someplace, just, you know, the thing with Ruggs is obviously 5'11", 188 pounds, a smaller guy, but if you just get him the ball in space, and, and to me that's probably where the NFL's made the biggest transition, maybe even in the past decade, is the fact that these offensive-minded coaches now, your Andy Reeds, your Doug Petersons, your Sean Paytons, they find you ways to get a, you know, to, to go ahead and catch a ball, whether it's out of the backfield, whether it's as a running back, whether it's in a slot, whether it's on the outside as an X or Y, like they will find you a way to get the ball. And if you're Henry Ruggs you're on a four two seven, you gotta like that. Yeah. Uh, hot or cold, uh with the receivers in this draft, well there's some hot names, but it cools off, I think, after that first level uh quite a bit. Thanks to Bold City Heating and Air uh for hot or cold draft segment as the stock continues to rise or fall on some of these players as we get a couple weeks away from the two thousand and twenty NFL Draft. Bolt City Heating and Air, they are there for you, even in these difficult times. It's getting hotter outside. These tomorrow's supposed to be really hot uh, in Jacksonville. If you have any problems with your AC unit, give Bold City Heating and Air a call. Call 904-379-1648 or visit them at boldcityac.com. As for the Jaguars and receiver, we've had the conversation a lot. I still can't convince myself that they're going to take a receiver in the first round. Yet I have such a problem internally with this because I feel like it's the one position that if they do get one of those guys, it makes them different than they've been. Mm -hmm. If they get a defensive tackle, well, they've had defensive tackles. If they get an offensive tackle that's special, well, maybe that's been a long time now. Uh, so maybe you could argue, but we just don't notice that. If you go get a corner, well, we've seen corners. What we don't, what we haven't seen this team have is a dynamic passing offense. You could argue a little bit with A-Rob and Hearns, but you know there are questions about the quarterback. You know, back to the Jimmy Smith days to find a dynamic passing offense. If they do grab a receiver in round one, it could make them that way. Without a doubt, man. And keep in mind, too, you got to help your cash cow. You, you, you have to help the most important part of your football team, and that's Gardner Minshew. Getting wide receiver in the first round, it helps Gardner Minshew. Ah, I'm wrestling with it. I go back and forth on it. Hey, thanks for helping celebrate local golf in the area today on this Masters Week. So I guess we'll leave you with this. If you do hit them, hit them straight and make all the putts. For Austin Lane and Coos, and thanks to Russell Knox, Billy Horschel, Jim Furyk for stopping on by. I'm Brett Morton. We'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30.